Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. What's up, Gypsy gang? Welcome back to another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And this is a bit of a banger with a gentleman by the name of Greg Rust. Uh, If you are an Australian motorsports fan like myself, you've definitely seen or heard Rusty talk, uh, whether it is on V8 Supercar broadcasts or whether it is with his awesome podcast, Rusty's Garage. Uh, He is an icon in the Australian motorsports industry, even though if you said that to him, he would staunchly deny it. But it's true, Rusty, you're one of the greats. Uh, Really, really awesome podcast with a really fantastic guy. Uh, I've been wanting to get him on based on the interesting stuff that he's done throughout a 20-year career in motorsports. Um, And it was just so cool to sit down and talk to him and feel the energy that he has. Uh, And he really is just a, a lesson in... Uh, being a genuine dude and a lesson in humility. Uh, and I enjoyed every minute uh, of talking to him, whether it was the motorsport stuff or talking about him and his wife trekking uh, Mount Everest base camp. I uh, just got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, and our sponsors have some really, really cool stuff going on. Uh, firstly, Boost has just introduced their auto recharge, which you can sign up for today. Basically, you just go into your Boost mobile app, uh, follow the prompts through the auto recharge section, uh, and basically you just set that up with your debit card, uh, and then your phone just will automatically recharge on expiry, and you'll never miss a beat. Uh, It's truly the best prepaid mobile experience that you can have in Australia, Uh, and I've been in some meetings with these guys, and there's some even cooler stuff coming out in the next couple of months, which I'm personally going to make uh, heavy use of. So it's great for me, uh, and it's great for you guys as well. Uh, also, in really, really exciting news, uh, the guys at Cricks Tweed are actually giving away a 2020 KTM 450 to one lucky person if you buy a new or used car between now and June 30. Uh, that can be any new Mitsubishi, uh, like the Triton that I run. It can be a new Subaru. It can be a new uh, Renault. It can be a new Sanyong, or it can be any one of their used cars. I'm probably going to buy a used AU Falcon uh, just so that I can enter the draw because I'm a greedy little shit like that. Uh, Also, if you just mentioned Gypsy Tales uh, before purchasing any vehicle, you're going to get a $500 voucher uh, to MX Store. And then in the lead up to this giveaway, we're going to be giving away some really cool stuff over on their Instagram uh, each month. So... Go follow at Cricks Tweed. Uh, if you're in the market for a new or used car, or even if you just want to buy an AU Falcon, uh, like I'm going to try and do to just rally around um, 
closed circuits, uh, just head to uh, crickstweed.com.au uh, or you can head into the dealership in, in uh, Tweed itself and ask for Kyle. Uh, so yeah, really, really exciting stuff with both of those guys. Uh, also, you can uh, head to mxstore.com.au to suss out basically the biggest and best range of motorcycle accessories in Australia. Uh, every time I do a trip... I have to head in to MX Store because I'm kind of unorganized. They've always got my back. Uh, this time around for our Vietnam uh, motor- motorcycle tour uh, that we did, basically now I'm still over here, um, You, I went in and got a uh, three quad locks. So for me, Maddie and uh, Benny, basically we mounted our iPhones to our handlebars. I got uh, some Bluetooth speakers for inside my helmet and I just had music the entire time on my ride made my trip that much more enjoyable and I was not texting when I crashed uh, that was just straight horsepower of the life and um, so yeah MX Store's always got my back you can head to mxstore.com.au or you could just stroll on into their new uh, showroom in Burley uh, also give a shout out to the guys at Rival Inc you can head to www.rivalincdesignco.com use the promo code gypsytales or fuck jace and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. Uh, I'm rebuilding the Screaming Eagle at the moment. That will be making its rebirth, re reappearance uh, at Day in the Dirt this year, which I'm frothing on. Uh, so I can't wait to do that. Um, so I'll be working with those guys to get uh, the Eagle looking dope as fuck, basically. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much to everybody for listening to and supporting the podcast constantly. Um, Really excited to get back to Australia, get back in the studio and bring you guys some more bangers. But before that happens, everybody just sit back, whether you're in traffic, whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you're just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else you guys do when you listen to this, but um, enjoy this epic podcast with Greg Rust. From the gang Greg Russ that I wanted to hear the first time around. <laughs> All right, so we're with an actual professional in the studio can we, today. Can we, can we do a deep, ballsy voiceover off? Because I reckon you are way better than me. What, with the deep listen voice? To that, listen to that. I try. I try to do that. I wish <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> uh, what did I do that? The other day was the um, the go-go. G-or. G-G-or. Yeah, we're in like a cab. I it's can't not remember. the dart. It's yeah, not the that, dart. That, Shannon's, that's actually one of their commercials from way back, yeah. you do some stuff with Shannon's, wouldn't I you? I do, I do a little bit of stuff, um, they've been good, sort of, we're podcast rivals, but we're having a nice convo here, they've been a, um, a bit of a supporter over time for lots of different things, actually, that, a uh, long time ago on RPM, when I worked on, uh, yeah. at Network 10, and then uh, more recently I've been working on the, the Shannon series, uh, uh, you know, with TCR and other categories around the country. So, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been a, a big fan uh, for a long time. Don't uh, subject yourself to too much of that. <laughs> that's how I feel with the same, that's how I feel on this end now. Like I always joke, I'm like, I feel like everyone that listens to this podcast is just waiting to figure out I'm actually a wanker. No, not at all. Don't you reckon, don't you reckon it's about just however you get there? Like I, I enjoy one-on-one conversations like this. But it's just the storytelling. It's, yeah. it's it, you know, a couple of people said to me, oh, you know, podcasting. And I said, but it's not an interview. It, it, it kind of is. And you ask questions and that sort of stuff. 
but invariably it's just conversational yeah. and people really enjoy that and it's gone through for whatever reason you know this better than me because you've got way more episodes but it's sort of what do you reckon mate like 2014 2015 it just sort of started doing that didn't it well the crazy thing and this is why when you're saying like you basically do this full time so when i come back from america i was like i'm just gonna go in on this Mm. i didn't have any ties here i'd had to move out of my house in america my cars every everything that i did like i basically had a life there and then severed that but life but didn't you do some stuff there which gave you a taste that gave you yeah mm. it was it was a like crazy crazy Mm. experience of what i got to do over there but what it did do was it was just like this perfect timing to where i had some money saved up i had all my equipment i went back to live at my parents which i was stoked on because i hadn't seen him for eight years basically and uh and then it gave me a chance to just do the podcast thing full time with really out any kind of crazy overheads but don't you reckon that that sacrifice is a great thing in, in any story oh, like this. So sure. we, we sit here now, mate. The, your studio's mega and it's obviously been quite a path to get to this yeah, point. You yeah, know? And I think that the thing that was cool with me is so I living over there, I watched the podcast industry in America grow. Mm. And America's always, from what I have could kind of tell with music, motocross, um, film, whatever, it's always like this six or seven year Uh, cycle ahead Mm -hmm. so i feel like i watched the podcasting thing happen before yeah to the fullest effect to where it's like millions and millions of people each episode on like joe rogan podcast like i probably started listening to rogan at episode 100 and something amazing and today it's like 1400 1500 so to see that and then when i come home and i would talk about these podcasts that I would listen to nobody was across it and then when I started the podcast through like I was just saying through my buddy at Red Bull I was just like man I actually have a chance to be first to market at something and that's why I was like you know what I'll I'm not going to chase the film thing I'm not going to chase anything I'll just do this full-time pioneer here and see what what happens because what you're saying you're right like 2014 2015 it it exploded here Hmm. but that was 0708 in America amazing Amazing. Yeah, so to sort of and, see that. And don't you reckon now, too, that the, the demographics are mm. shifting, too? So, you know, you get messages, um, uh, hey, um, uh, you know, my dad's not real au fait with podcasts, but I got him set up now. He can yeah. listen to you in the truck when he's driving around. Yeah. And, and that's when you start doing that. That's really, that's very cool. Well, I think, too, what's crazy is that we've lost with media we've gone shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter everything that we've done has gone Mm. it's like been so reduced down to like these crazy small attention spans yep on my podcast analytics my average listener time is two hours and 48 minutes mega so it's like well there is an appetite there and i think that podcasts hit on some form of like primal deal Mm. to where it's like I call it the campfire effect. Yep. So it's like there's no distractions where 2,000 years ago, there's not really much going on. There's no electronics. There's nothing like that. What you have at the end of a day without electricity and all that shit is a campfire mm-hmm. and stories or dance. or. And I think that there's something that we're, we're just never going to lose that storytelling type yeah, of yep. uh, scenario. And I think that that's what's made the whole podcasting thing so so big I, I would agree with you and even to give you an example so one of the, the um, most popular in the Rusty's Garage library is with Mark Larkham who is you know a legend in the supercars pit lane yep. he's brilliant at what he does and when 
I went to do the podcast with him. He got his Polaris out. He got a six-pack of beers and put them in a little thing. And, yeah. and we drove out into the bush. Amazing. Parked up. Um, you know, no more driving after that, obviously. Just just parked up on a couple of logs and, and just chewed the fat over a Corona or two. One of the and it was just there's no campfire, but it was yeah. more or less like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing that I think we have that in us, and I think that why it's so successful now is because we lost we lost our craving for that, or we lost mm. the, we lost our understanding that that was something that was vital to us. Mm. And I just think that there's a real purity, and I'm sure you'd know as well. Like there's a I've made great friends out of this podcast yep. that, you know, we do them for three hours. We're strangers until you walk in and then yep. you get thrust into this environment of headphones on. Feel back the layers. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you just you just sort of go. And yep. I've made amazing friends out of this now. And it's uh, I think it's because in, you know, sometimes in three hours, like you meet a new person and you, you know, let's say V8 Supercar Pit Lane or whatever, yep. and you meet them and you have a good five minute combo. And then, oh, shit, I've got to get back to the TV truck. And yeah, yeah. we'll catch up for a beer at the hotel. And then maybe, what, 20 minutes of conversation there. Yeah. So you've got this new person that over the weekend, it's 25 minutes. Yeah. Then you might see him three weeks later. You don't really catch up at that round. Then another three weeks goes by. And then you see him again. So, like, your conversation as a friend, it's, like, takes so long to get to, like, a three-hour mark. And, and to get the, the standard... Um, veneer to, to drop you know because mm. they're, they're in they're in media 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 mode yeah so to get to the point where it is just conversational like this might take a might take yeah. a bit to to get there but i love your your point about the shift insofar as you know what, what do they reckon now you've got seven seconds with most digital content to get the audience seven yeah. seconds and that's probably even quite a long, Dude, long, long say, you know two there you go yeah but yet you can hold them for two hours that's yeah. awesome mate yeah awesome. yeah and and you you would have noticed that i'm sure with some Dude. of your guests yeah. that you would have developed a much more deeper and meaningful connection through just doing the podcast most definitely you, you having rapport to begin with i reckon helps yeah 100%. Um, and you know very fortunate over time that the 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 career and and the various different things that I've done helps with either introductions or, or um, you know getting the go ahead to do something like that. Yeah, people are aware of you before they. Yeah, and and I think you know, you'd like to hope that what you've done in the past gives a level of of trust mm. and and probably the thing I love about it the most in the bite sized conversations that you're talking about. You know, typically we're we're trying to in general media land you're trying to generate a headline you're trying yes. to do something that is got a slant to it or yes. I, I hate that you know the fact that can, this can just be a conversation it can just be you in your own words and from my side okay other people might pick it up and discuss it or, or uh, zero in on one aspect of it but the fact that it's one long conversation it's in their own words I think mm. that's that's tremendous yeah. I think with that as well there's a certain um like a, a complex idea or a, or a difficult perspective can take more than the time that, answer. You've, that yeah. you've got allotted. And I think that definitely when you're working in the world of athletes uh, where it is, unfortunately, it's like you get why. It's, yep. you know, you can say, unfortunately, it has a slant to it, but it's like it kind of needs to. Like what we're turning on the TV to be entertained, essentially, yeah. where race car drivers are entertainers. And it's like we, the storylines that are created, I think, is what has made V8 Supercars so successful. But those kind of um, 
the kind of questions that you can ask, the time that you get for answers. It's just not conducive. Yeah, it's not to, a forum like this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure I'm excited to listen to your Casey Stoner podcast because, you know, to listen to a guy like that that famously doesn't do interviews, it will be fascinating to, to hear him in his own words without any setup to sort of push towards a certain narrative. You've got a producer in a, yeah. you know, an earpiece or whatever. Yeah. It's um, And that's exactly what it was like. You know, we kind of sat like you and I are now and um, shot the breeze about all different aspects of his career. And there were things that came out of the conversation about his current battle with chronic fatigue that I didn't know about, and nor did I think going in that we would we would talk yeah. about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, chuffed that he felt comfortable enough to mm. to open up about it but you know full respect to him he it was it was something he um, felt he needed to discuss with his with his fans and and um i'm pleased that that a podcast who's mm. ever gave him the opportunity to to do that without time restraints without um you know the the, the person coming in with an objective or a slant yeah and yeah that was that was yeah, very proud of that. Yeah. Where did the idea for the Rusty's Garage come from? Ironically, I uh, in about September 2017, I went through a pretty significant life uh, change. I was coming to the end of a second contract with um, supercars. I'd had a, a great, a really special tenure um, with Channel 10 that went from the late 90s up until 2006, and that's a chapter I cherish even to this day. Uh, and then another, another more recent, um, reconnection with them where I went from sort of end of 2014 through to 17. Uh, anyway, we were living in Sydney, my wife and I and kids at the time. She's a Kiwi. Um, we kind of flipped life on its head. We, I, I, we live there now. I come and go from, I do work on both sides. Yeah, I wasn't um, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I thought that you were yeah, still based no, here. No, no, yeah. so that's, um, I know Ben Townley, um, ironically, I'm deviating from your question here, but... That's fine, he, we can he, do that all day. He, he <laughs> was... Um, he used to live across the road from one of my wife's best friends. And so, you know, we were visiting at one stage and she said, um, oh, there's a guy across the road, you know, you might know him from dirt bikes and you want to go and have a beer. And, you know, next thing I'm at Ben Townley's place having a beer. And, Isn't and, he the and way he's, he's a great, great bloke, mate. Ripping, very genuine human oh, being, yeah. you know, great nature. Um, also his 40th birthday yesterday. Yeah, so mega, yeah, mega. Happy birthday, very happy BT. birthday, mate. Yeah. Um, so long story short, uh, I flipped life on its head um, and it, about the midpoint of 17, I, I was um, very committed to trying to do different things that uh, I have two daughters, we have my wife and I, they're 13 and, and 11. They're not going to be massive motor racing fans, but uh, they know what dad does and, yeah. and what I'm involved in. But I wanted to play in spaces that I thought were uh, more relevant to them, more digital content that Damn, was that's cool. yeah, either you know um, YouTube-based or whatever, and, and podcasting was another big thing for me. So late, on, late to the party compared to America, but... But that was right at the wave here, Yeah, though. correct. Like that's right at the start. And, and even if you wanted to drill it down to an automotive slash um, motorsport slant, it was sort of, sort of pioneering in Australia in that sense. Yeah. So we, we, we workshopped it. I, I work with a company that has um, uh, a big library in the United States and they'd set up here in Australia in... Um, in who, who is so that podcast po- one? So, so podcast yeah, okay. one. So they're a part of the, you know, your listeners will know um, Triple M and Fox FM. Yep, they're all yep, under that yep. umbrella. And uh, anyway, we workshopped different ideas. Um, Molly Taylor, who's been an Australian rally champion, she was my um, my 
you know, first ever podcast and it was a test really to see what it looked and sounded like and we shot the breeze for a good couple of hours. Then we pulled it all apart and without her, with, with the team there and said, this worked, that didn't work, blah, blah, blah. And I actually went back and recorded it again in, uh. in a workshop. Her, her family have a deep connection with rallying in Australia yep. and her dad's got all sorts of different cool cars. And so we went to the workshop this time rather than being in studio and sat around the cars and talked cars and, and other bits and pieces and, and it grew from there. It, it has had a racer slant because I, I love that, but we've also done um, uh, Shane Jacobson, for example, and people like that that are um, proper fans of cars or bikes, in his case, both. And so it's, it's automotive. Um, well, it's got an automotive soul, but that's not restricted to... You got it. Yep. You got it. And it's funny, at the, the, at the beginning when we were um, figuring out what we wanted it to sort of look and feel like, you know, you would invariably come back to a key bike, a key car or mm. something like that. But as it's evolved, it's very much the human side too. I've loved, as and you've, you've done this so well, mate, it, it's about unmasking the athlete that mm. spends, you know, the broadcasts of supercross of supercars of whatever do such an amazing job of of telling the story of the contest of decoding the technical aspects because we're in a technical game yeah but i love the notion of the fact that that you know what is the story behind ben townley what is the story behind chad reed what is the story behind casey stoner and trying to get people to know a bit more about them in connection with um you know, a couple of key bikes or cars or things that were significant in that in that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had, so you worked out the sort of a way that you wanted to run the podcast in terms of a a, a structure, kind of to to an extent. To, yeah, you, like you, a loose structure. Loose structure. Yeah, you'd like anything in the media, and you've played in in uh, you know all sorts of different aspects of it. Getting too formulaic is is. Um, it can be good, it stifles it, it, creativity, but, but it though, does. If, it does, mate. Yeah. To, yeah. And so you have to be adept at, at at changing it up and what have you. So we we kind of we knew that that one on one style conversation was what we wanted to do. Others have gone and done panel conversations and you know debate based stuff. And some of it is in in other podcasts is about what's currently happening. And yeah. we didn't want to do that. We wanted we wanted stuff to not get to. Uh, too short in its shelf life we yes. wanted it to, to have you know in two years time that you could still go back and enjoy it um so for me it was very much about the conversation it was about unmasking the athlete and trying to get back to the thing that would connect with the audience and that is the you, you know it may have been their first car their first bike a restoration story mm. uh, uh, whatever as well as the the, the um the champion moment or the the story of heartbreak or whatever it might be yeah. and away away it went yeah. and how much research are you doing before each pop obviously you are a fucking encyclopedia uh, no, no, no. <laughs> in, in ways anyway though you know like you love it so i have a pretty good photographic memory i, I um it's not perfect but it but it's very good from a a moment point of view so yeah, I, okay. I could Fast forward two years, I might remember that I've come in here and your dog's in here with us and, yep. you know, yep. there's stuff like that that'll be banked away and maybe some stuff we laughed about. And so in getting them to open up about some conversations that or things that people may not have heard before, I've... I've You're tapping into I'm that. I'm tapping into yeah. that. A lot of it I've gone back and revisited as well. Um, I, I don't want to get bogged down too much on stats because I think you can find all that stuff, but I do want it to mm. trigger 
conversation. You yes. know, if someone's won six in a row at Phillip Island or whatever it might be, and there's yes. things that yeah, yep, you, that you, makes sense. You, you do want that stuff to to come forth and you know significant moments, as I said before. But it's also the backstories. It's mm. also you know things that I've witnessed along the way that I think are are okay to talk about now or palatable now or yeah. yeah. Because in the in the heat of the moment, like if Fabian come on the podcast, your podcast two weeks after Bathurst, yeah, probably not going to get the same responses in ten years' time talking about you know because and, and there is that passage of time can create a different version of the event. And maybe you've experienced this. Some guys have said to me, "No, not yet." Um, I see the podcast as something in post-race life. I'm mm. still doing my thing. I'm still building my story. I'm yeah. not, not ready to do that yet, you know? So, yeah, I, at timings, there's been moments where I've, I've had stuff teed up with different people and then, um, you know, hey, you know, obviously now is not a good time. Can we push yeah. it back? And, yeah, that's that's fine. I, I'd rather them be comfortable where they can open up about it. Yeah. And, and, okay, you've got to ask a hard question sometimes, but you hope that you're balanced take on things your rapport with them yeah will get it to the point where you can have that conversation yeah. and, and still express what what fans or listeners might be thinking but still getting back to the fact that it's their it's their chance it's you, you know yeah. they can open up and i'm not i'm not sitting here trimming it all up and getting an angle i want i, I want to hear what they have to say yeah definitely <laughs> chad reed actually um i don't know that many people know this but i had to cut like 40 minutes of our episode oh out. wow yeah because he just wasn't... It was uh, talking about some family stuff. Okay. And we got super deep on it. Mm-hmm. And then I purposely actually sat on it for a, like a week or two. Yep. I was really eager to put that out, obviously, because I was like, this is probably going to be one of my best episodes. Yep. Um, but I could tell during it and while Sensitive. he was talking about mm-hmm. it that it was, it was very... It was fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I just I sat on it and then I saw him in New Zealand for the Supercross this mm-hmm. was last year mm-hmm. uh, for the race did you run it by him? yeah and then I just said hmm. he's like oh when are you going to put that podcast out hmm. and I was like oh, I just wanted to see where you're at and if you're okay with everything that was in it and, mm-hmm. and then he's like you know what I sort of actually do want to take out the the just that bit he's like I'm respect though both to both you and him <laughs> for, yeah. for, for doing that I, I think that's important too you know people listening to your podcast now might think oh you know but but it would have been good to hear that and yeah it, oh, it, 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 it would have been it was incre- it was fucking incredible and i know that it would have been a huge thing but that's his story that's his thing to tell and if he wanted to do that through me that's fine if he doesn't that's fine like and i i think that was an important moment in the my like podcast i guess like yep. the arc of this whole thing as well yep. is because I have always said to people like, man, if you want to come on here and talk about your fucking cats yep. and how they do funny stuff. And you put <laughs> I don't know YouTube, cats, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, cool. Like, that if this is, I have always seen this thing as like, this is the guest thing. Yep. And it's like, you get to come on here and we get to talk about you. I'm interested in, in the guests. And it's like, I don't want to, this to turn into a um, fishing kind of thing. I'd yeah. rather lose something that, would have done well like it would have done well but it's like that's again that's not my story to tell um and mate who's to say that that in years to come when he's finished four-wheel racing or whatever it might be he doesn't want to sit down and come out with that thing and and that's that's, yeah and that is the thing that it's like i guess you've got to i mean that's sort of it really shouldn't come into it it's just a pure respect thing um but 
you're right, that could come down into play sort of later in the track. You know? to, to your point, I did one this year with uh, an Australian guy called Michael Massey, who is now the race director in Formula One. So, wow. he, so he's an Aussie guy kind of working behind the scenes, but with a very, very important, very high-pressure uh, role in F1, which, as you know, is you know rich in history intensely political you know uh, in four-wheel terms the 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 top echelon exactly um so we did the podcast and uh we agreed that uh it needed to be run by um the governing body yeah the fia and and they had to rubber stamp it all they wanted one tiny little thing removed which i was completely okay with and same deal as you. I, for me, I've known Michael for years since he was, you know, really young, working, you know, his first job straight out of high school in motor racing. He's a guy that's ultra passionate about it and has made it his life. And I just didn't see the point in, you know, for the sake of one, yeah, one little one thing. Headline, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's his story. Yep. He's comfortable with it without that. Mm. And so was the, the governing body. And, uh, yeah, no problem, no, no dramas. I, I typically don't edit them. But I've it's always got respect request, for the guest. Yeah. yeah. But if yeah. the guest wants to do that, no problem. Well, it yeah. was actually a similar, not a similar thing, but when Tim Edwards came on the podcast, yep. fuck, he's just one of the good old boys. Great and boy. we were telling crazy stories yep. and he's swearing and telling the Bathurst story <laughs> like right after Bathurst. Yeah. And he like, he, he's like, oh, I sort of don't really want to talk about Bathurst. And yeah. then we, it just come up like, yeah. and I, I didn't even watch the race to be brutally honest. So yeah. I was just curious from a position of a person him go. i was like yeah. i was like so what even fucking happened like why is yeah. everyone blowing up I've, i think i was at a jiu-jitsu comp or something yeah. and um do you do martial arts yeah yeah, yeah. What, what what so jiu-jitsu or yeah, what, is, yeah. what level uh blue belt okay yeah i so. i mate i'm seriously out of shape and it's something that is actually on my 2020 to-do list wow but i have a i have a black belt in taekwondo from okay. from um I haven't sort of uh, practiced or trained for probably six or seven years yeah, now, and right. I really want to get back to it. And my wife is a is a first hand black belt, and I love in Taekwondo. In Taekwondo, and she yeah. trained in Korea, and I um I really want to get back to that, mate. So anyway, we're digressing here. No, yeah. I did uh, I did Taekwondo my whole life as a kid. Really? Yeah, and then uh, went away from it when I I was like fifteen or sixteen. I, I just I'd done feel like I'd sort of done a lot in yep. that space. Like I did a lot of competitions. I was doing a lot of exhibition stuff. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I really got into it. And um, and then after a while, like to school, I got I actually got more into like boxing and stuff like yep. that. Yep. Um, and then I, yeah, re- well, two two years ago, got into jiu-jitsu. Good stuff. And um, I'm just... A more traditional obsessed. or a Brazilian or what, Brazilian, what is it? Brazilian, yeah. Okay. Yep. Awesome. So I've got uh, my coach uh, doing in Mermaid Beach. Mm-hmm. He's a fourth degree black belt from Brazil. Young dude, super cool, 120 yeah. kilo monster. Um, so yeah, I've I've been going. I won two national titles this Mate, year. Congratulations! Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm full on. Yeah, love it. It's definitely been a um, it's uh, been a part of ev- everything that I've sort of done to trans like not, not like transform, but like my life's just different. I moved mm-hmm. back home and I stopped. I didn't ride motocross as much, and I started doing the jujitsu thing and yeah so just sort of that's awesome yeah, mate went ham into went ham into it my my instructor back in sydney he was um an older guy greg wiley he was excellent and he was big on um always kind of uh, opening the uh, the blinkers to what other arts had to offer mm. so while taekwondo was his thing and and um i can't remember how many i reckon he's a sixth stand but anyway um 
but he would always, you know, every second class we did, there'd be something like, oh, you know, I yeah, work with this okay. guy in, yeah. in uh, Kung Fu or whatever. And we'd, we'd try a few different things to yeah. always understand what that art did. Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you ever done any jiu-jitsu stuff? No, never, never. No. Yeah, okay. If you want to get in shape, then it's phenomenal. Like I, when I did the Ben Townley thing, did you see I did the tour yeah. with yep. BT? Yeah. I did a 40-minute moto. Just. And you felt fresh. Oh, it's fine. My hands started bleeding, so I had, st- <laughs> I had to stop. But like, yeah, just I struggled with fitness my whole life as a motor, like when I raced motocross. Yeah, and I didn't really train. I just wanted to ride and ride. But I just, I don't know whether it was like the heat up home, but I just could never put in like the amount of time to get fit enough to do the motos the way I wanted to do them. And then started doing jujitsu because I got arm pump real bad, uh-huh. so it would it was like debilitating pretty much started doing jiu-jitsu and the, the grips with the gi and stuff like that and now i do all the transmotos six hours and eight hours and never I, just, I never get arm pump and how good is the mental side that's the side i enjoy mm. too it's it's good reedy's kids are into it too aren't they? are they are they jiu-jitsu what are yeah, they into so yeah we spoke about it on the podcast <laughs> and he ended up taking the kids uh to do jiu-jitsu and i was i talked with ellie and that uh, about it and they're just fully, they're, like, they're loving it yeah. fully fully into it yeah so it's honestly it's a superpower like it's a it's a crazy i mean i i don't like to fight people you know no, neither do i fight but i haven't, I haven't street, got a uh, i've got an angry you know that's that's not me either mate. I'd, I'd rather i'd rather i'm the most non-confrontational person ever but but it is a great they're, they're great arts I think yeah, so. yeah. to know that Absolutely. you've got the ability like mm. I I almost feel bad for people now like if somebody would you know try to start we had a dude we had a dude in the casino in Auckland last year trying it was like four in the morning and and we were staying up because everyone flew out at like five in the morning, morning yeah. so we're like we're just gonna stay up and then <laughs> sleep on the plane sort of deal mm. and these guys were trying to take photos of like Chad and Dean and all the boys. And I was just like, mate, come on. Like, it's yeah. four in the morning. A1's just around the corner. Yeah. We really can't be doing, you know, selfies at a casino in Auckland. And one guy sort of, like, was pushing me. And I was like, mate, I just, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. a really terrible idea. Yeah. And I, I didn't feel threatened at all. And it was a it was a crazy feeling to just be that calm, that level-headed when yeah. somebody's, like, That's good. pushing you around. And I'm like, hey, this is a super bad idea for you. Like, mm. you cannot be doing this. Mm. this isn't that's, better, that's better than a fight-or-flight sort of, yeah. you know, scenario. Because I think good. that that's a lot of the problems that people have when they're in that situation. They, yeah. they don't know how to react, and it's like a uh, back-to-the-wall kind of scenario. Yeah. But if you don't feel like that, then you can... Uh, and I think there's always a better way to resolve it, always. Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah. that's super cool, then, that yeah. you did that. Yeah. Man, I'd love for you to try it. Like, And there's a... Because where, whereabouts are you? Um, on the east coast of the North Island, so... Um, are you close to where the Townleys are now? No, we're a few... We're only a couple of hours from them. I haven't seen them... Um, for, I, I saw, obviously, BT at, um, at the yeah, NZ round cross. last year, yeah, Supercross. Yeah. But um, no, we must catch up with him actually. Yeah, because yeah, he said to me somehow it come up that your name come up while I was at Ben's, and yeah. he told me no, because oh, I think I messaged you right yeah, you saying did. that you Ben did. was going to yeah. be here, but we we changed the plans. But um, yeah, and then he told me the story of like he just randomly crazy, yeah, yeah right into crazy, it. crazy. But yeah, you should look into it. Eh? It's definitely yeah. uh it's it's hard. There's a it's a hard um, it's like a hard apprenticeship. Okay. of a few months of. Like, you'll just be like, how the... F- the crazy thing is, like, 
you just don't realize just how helpless you are in like a situation mm. when you're doing just like sport jujitsu against someone yeah. that's really good and then you the first day you're like <laughs> you can't you actually feel like a child and mm. even for me i with my coaches i feel i'm a, just a child yeah. you've got but that's absolutely, how you learn, you learn yeah. yeah but mm. it's quite confronting and i think a lot of people um you either fall in love straight away like i did i was like okay i just need to do that do like yeah. i have to figure that out but um, yeah, I'd love for you to try it, or even next time you're here, I can take yeah, you, cool. take you to cool. a class. But um, cool. well, it's Tim Edward. That's yeah, Tim yeah, Edwards. Tim, yeah. So, mate, how about that? I mean, there's a guy with Formula One experience, came to Australia and, and actually did some stuff. I think on the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne before he got yeah. back into yep. into motor racing again. But now, you know, on the Motorcycling Australia board, you know, his boys uh, ride. Mm. He loves it, mate. He digs it, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm. Well, he's in Vietnam right now on the um, Vietnam motorcycle tours. Have, cool. you, have you ever seen I, that I've tour? not been on it, but I, I, it's funny. Um, so uh, back in 03, 04, my wife and I trekked to Everest Base Camp. Oh, wow. And, and um, that's a real, for me, that's one of the, because I am not, I'm a bit of a um, five-star Freddy when it comes to hotels and things. <laughs> and she was she was big on that. She went and did... Um, well, she's a Kiwi, right? She's a Kiwi, yeah. So That's she did, why. Yeah, correct. I love that shit. Um, she went and did Annapuna Circuit and a few other things over there. Anyway, um, so we trekked to Everest Base Camp and I have seen a couple of guys. Uh, so Malcolm Osler, who's an ex-Formula One, very successful engineer and, and designer, um, and more recently, Kate Peck, who operates yep, on the... Yep, the on, Kate, yeah, yeah, yep. okay. So both of those guys have done some riding in the Himalayas. You can do that sort of stuff yeah. as well. And there's Vietnam is another yep, one, and yep. yeah, some um, yeah, some pretty cool rides. Well, we, we did that in February last year. Vietnam? or Vietnam, oh, yeah. Well. And uh, it was just incredible. And what were you and doing? Retracing the Top Gear steps, or what were you doing? Yeah, that's what it... Ba- well... It's called the Top Gear Tour. So the guy that owns the company now, uh, he who founded it, is like actually a really good friend of ours now. Okay. So we dad's done. This will be his third tour. Oh wow! Yeah, he he just loves it. Yeah. And each time, like this time in February, we're going back and we're going through Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. Oh, fantastic! So we're going to kind of snake the borders over what sort of time frame? Ten days. Yeah, and you're on the bike the whole time. It's it's not like a touristy thing. Like it's a legitimate adventure. Yeah. It's it's a it was a crazy experience. It was honestly way better than I thought it'd be. Um, but Tim being close with us, our sort of families now through racing and that, yeah. he um, he said, "Look, I'm booking it. I'm gonna go do it." So he's there with Trudy and the two boys. I love it. Now. I love it. Yeah. So, um, but he's just a hardcore yeah. hardcore motorhead. Yeah. But with the it, to go back to what we were saying there with his podcast i hearing him like you know swearing being like you know then fab's come over the hill and i was like the fuck's going on here mm-hmm. and i could have farmed that out pretty easily yeah. to supercars to get the traction that the, the, kind of yeah, quote yeah. of him saying something like that but yeah. I almost was just like, well, I, I was. I, I had an email there ready to go and it was at the GC600 and I went down and I said, what what would the reaction be if I sent out a mm. press release to, you know, mm. the kind of upper people yep. in the supercars and speed cafe and stuff like yep. that? I was like, well, is, it, is that something that you, you know, do you think that they'd pull that kind of stuff? And he sort of said, yeah. So I was like, cool, we're not doing it. I'm mm. not sending that email. People can find it that follow yep. me, yep. that follow you, but... I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to yeah. mine it for... And then that comes back to, I know it's, a, it's an overused word, but that comes back to authentic, doesn't mm. it? That's what you want. That's who you are. So, 
And I mean, this is a cruisy job, dude. Mm. So why do anything that could deter? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I really like doing this. this. Is we're on the clock right now, yeah. and I'm having an absolute ball. That's good. That's good with no time, no time constraints. Yeah. So with uh, with your show, mm. how like was there an immediate thing of you like mm, this is this is the future? Do you have that feeling still? What what's like? What is your relationship with it? I love it immensely. Um, like anything, it's because you are pushing into a, a newer space uh, in Australia, yep. in this part of the world. It's you know it comes with with challenges, but like you, now you have um, uh, a library, you have a community that that is into it, and so on. So it starts to to go. Podcasts one are very good at, at the analytics and the the sales side of it. For me, I get an enormous buzz from the conversation. Mm. So. I don't walk away thinking, um, perfect, I'm going to generate mega headlines yeah. out of that. I couldn't give a shit about that, to be perfectly honest. I, I um, And some of them have been, and you'll have experienced this too, I reckon, some of them are not necessarily um, champions with, with, a, with a book full of results and a room full of trophies. They're people who've succeeded or, or have made it to a very high level, but, but their record book may not be... Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they're brilliant storytellers and they've got a great story about the path to get to there, the challenges they went through, the funny stuff they went through to, to get there. Um, that's the thing I enjoy most is is letting them um, tell some of those stories that perhaps haven't been either widely known or fully told. Mm. Um, some of them come just, just through chats. I mean, some of them, I mentioned Mark Larkin before. I mean, he told some stories that, that I'd never heard before. Um, but then I find a way to... to um, just naturally in the conversation uh, weave stuff together you know I can with him for example he, he used to race a Formula Holden and uh, where I grew up in Sydney's northwest his um, workshop at the time was in the backyard of this house a couple of blocks from where I grew up and I would, oh, wow. I, I would be you know either either driving to school or something and I'd, I'd always see he, he was back by Mitre 10 at the time and I'd always see the blue and, and yellow Mitre 10 transporter oh, wow. parked so down you, the side so and, you and knew where he was yeah, yeah. So, and so you know we relived a bit of that and and then he told me some funny stories about how how tough those days were how he made stuff come together some funny meetings he went to for sponsorship and some of the good people that worked behind the scenes with him some that you know went on to formula one and worked for williams and and, uh, mclaren and so on so uh, that's the stuff i i enjoy and as i said before you don't in motor racing sometimes you only um it's a very results based it's the contest mate isn't it and and that like like anything boxing whatever it's natural We, we love the contest but I do love um, telling some of the, the funny funny yarns, the backstories. And I think it humanises it. It makes it more uh, relatable. I mean, yeah, yes. Reedy's come from very humble upbringing and, and, and um, you know, what a great inspirational path he's walked. So to think that maybe a couple of kids might listen and think, wow, I, I, I yeah. can do that. That's possible. You know, yeah. that's, um, yeah. And you get, you get messages like that. You get people that say, uh, you know, hey mate, we're we're listening tonight. We're in the garage tinkering with the bike, or we're um, on a road trip somewhere. Or you know, there's a, there's a um, a guy in in Sydney who runs a, a go kart academy, and he he's you know he helps young kids on the on the path, and he makes them listen to it. Yeah, okay. And see that that I find that immensely satisfying. That that's really rewarding. I, I don't like to think um, 
of myself as a, as a teacher but if someone gets something yeah. like that out of it a little nugget out of it that's great that's yeah. really good yeah that that's been one of the more rewarding things for me and i think too like i'm young like i'm only 31 now yep. and to i started this at 29 i guess um two years ago and i mean i haven't figured myself all the way out like 100 percent. and i think that people nowadays uh they're looking for that relatability because i think that we went through this period in the media and i know that i like all i did i made fucking porn for motorcycles like (laughs) like now that i think about it i just made fucking porn essentially there was there's no it's you can't go to the track and shoot that yourself i was using fucking three hundred thousand dollar cameras hanging off million dollar helicopters mm. and using lenses that cost two hundred thousand dollars like the shit the that best. we would yeah it, mm. it and it's fucking rad porn mm. and you can sit and whack off to it for three minutes <laughs> as a petrol head but at the end of the day it's not re- there's nothing relatable mm. about that at all and there's a mask on the rider they're speaking in a in their most polished precise yes. rehearsed they've said that line yep. five times over to get it just right yep. and i think that there's a disconnect that happens you can go fuck that's amazing like mm. wow that's special but th- i just didn't feel like there was soul to it mm. in a way and mm. i didn't realize that until i did this mm. but one does feed the other in the sense that you know th- that beautiful imagery that that you captured and and told the story on has enabled you to think well what, what more out of that mm. can i unearth what's over left here yeah. what's left yeah. and, and i mean the key word you used a moment ago was soul right i mean mm. that, that's contest which i love and and finding new ways to showcase that yes. uh, and um and keep the audience captivated brilliant you know yeah. that, that you should constantly change that up but then over here is and i, and I think it's very true of of motorsport um there's other sports as well, but particularly motorsport because of the nature of it. Um, finding a way to 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 take the helmet off, uh, get to know them more away from the contest. Yeah. That's yeah, there's there's soul in that, absolutely. Well, the thing that too that um, really made me feel like that was something special to do was recently with the Justin Brayton episode. Yep, he talked about the fact that he his parents split up when he was young and then he moved into his auntie's garage and lived in his auntie's garage while he was still trying to be a motocross racer and now more kids if if i'm a kid and i've got divorced parents and i've got a single mum, and i think well dad's out of the picture Mm -hmm. i don't have a chance now of being a motocross superstar Mm -hmm. well no go and listen to justin brayton has Mm -hmm. just told you yeah that it is possible and he did it from iowa what snows half the year Mm -hmm. so to me yeah those sort of stories and hearing that because i think we over sexualize the the uh the the contest part of it and how hard they train Mm. and the talent and the Mm. it's like because to then it's just like the um you know like the impossible beauty standards because you've got to be born james stewart or you've got to be born ricky carmichael and you've got to do 3000 laps and you've got to be homeschooled and you've got to they're the stories because they're they're incredible they're like they're amazing but i feel like underneath that everybody does have the how inspiring was that mate Uh, i mean to think that brayton now you know on the podium 
uh, in Melbourne after a brilliant week there, uh, or a couple of days there, and you know, with his family, yeah. proud family guy. You know, so there's positives that have that have come out of that. And if if he can either here in Australia with what that the chapter here that he's enjoyed in Australia oh, has been phenomenal. Um, but and you know, obviously back in the states as well. I mean, if 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 we can get maybe a handful of people that go, yeah, yeah and and then years later we find that that you know that story out that yeah, okay, he, yeah. he met Justin once or he he uh, you know he knew his story or whatever. Fantastic, that's yeah. that's cool. And I think that yeah, there there is like a relatability to that, and I think it's part of even the reason why people enjoy Gypsy Tales. Like I'm just a dude, yeah, like that knows those people. Like I didn't have to. There was no nothing special, and I think that it gives people maybe a little bit of hope that they can meet their heroes or they can you, do you are you are giving them a pathway to do that mate you are um they want to hear from these people and mm. and if they can hear them in a uh, i mean you used the campfire analogy earlier in the chat if it can be like a dinner ca- dinner table kind of conversation mm. and they're a party to that that's box ticked for me yeah and i think too one of the other things i think about with the podcast side is that I feel like it's the only medium where the listener experiences it exactly the same as the creators. Yep. So your voice is in my head, my voice is in your head, we're wearing headphones. Yep. The fidelity is exactly like I'm going to, it goes into the computer, I'll put a tiny little filter on it yep. to compress everything. Give uh, yourself a ballsier voice than just mine. Just make myself <laughs> sound even sexier. <laughs> and, uh, and then that's it. That yep. they what yep. what I hear in the moment right now is what the listener hears and it's what you hear and I think that I don't know I feel like that does something different because hundred percent and I reckon you're bringing them to that dinner table conversation yeah. but but it's it's not this disconnect of a. Um, uh, you know, I love things like the Graham Norton show or some of the legends that have done mm. programs like that over time. But it's not a studio environment. It's not a, um, you know, okay, hey, we have to uh, sit up straight here. It's the camera and da, da, da. It's, it's a... We're going to add in five. Yeah, correct, four. correct, correct. Yeah. And I love that. I still love doing that stuff. But but in in this forum here, where they feel inclusive because of all that stuff mm. you've, just, you've just rattled off. Yeah, that, that's... That's why it works, I reckon. That's why people like it, and that's that. And the fact that there, um, you know, there's whatever. There's five hundred thousand podcasts. You know, there's podcasts for everything mm. in, in subject matter terms. The fact that you're the director, you can play it when you want, yeah. in the car and wherever. I mean, that's on the plane. Perfect. Did Did it surprise you how big it got, and and how? like people's appetite for it as you were doing it Very. because you were learn like you're learning even though you had the podcast one guys yeah like you're learning about i mean i'm sure when you recorded that first episode and played it and put it up and published it you were like oh well, i don't know we'll see how it goes and then you pretty, pretty much pretty much and you you never i've always liked that anyway you never stop learning so in the in the TV example you gave before of, of you know using you know unbelievable lenses and choppers you're always learning new ways yeah. to, to do stuff and I think okay we've done a bit of that on the run here with with the podcast I like to try and and um, not get too deep into the socials but if there's a thread in there where people are talking about something or um, a piece of feedback or, or a suggestion it, it, it's amazing how in, within kind of six months it was it was me ringing people that I, I knew in the industry and mm. could I get you on and all yeah. that sort of stuff then it's come full circle now I we, you know we get lots of lovely emails from people saying hey can you get to this person can you, yeah. can you find that person can you what about something in this genre or, or whatever you know yeah. um, 
that I think that's that's when you know that it it's um, it's resonating or it's connecting with them. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any like bucket list guys that you've still sort of got to come on? Oh, I mean, obviously it's an ever evolving thing, thing, but is there, is there people that you really like, Oh, just that's one I want. Uh, I'd really love to talk to Eric Banner. Um, yeah, I, I'd, okay. I'd love to, um, you know, continue the story of the beast that he competed in at target Tasmania and that he restored and, and, um, and have that conversation. He's a proper, enthusiast and racer yep. through and through bikes and cars and when i say um racer of, of cars but he loves his bikes as yeah. well and you'll often see him talking about moto gp or, or whatever um so that's that's one there's a couple that are probably a bit, a bit left of field here that that i um would like to do as well i mean uh, anthony gobert went to the absolute yeah, highs yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, and you know it's well documented in the papers that he's had a, a struggle in life terms um, away from things I'd like to maybe just hear in his own words about yeah. uh, where he's at and, and reminisce a bit about um, some of the amazing things that, that he did if he if he was up for that um, I as I said to you before I also think um, there are some that are just going to be good storytellers that when, yeah. you, when you read the headline that says you know uh, Gypsy Tales podcast 56 with whoever it doesn't have to be the legendary name but, yep. if, if, but if it's the great storytelling some of my favourite episodes there you go, there you go. We, a guy yep. came on uh, his name's Taylor Cecil yep. and like I've known him for a couple of years uh, it's one of those things 25 minutes here 30 minutes there the yep. conversation sort of deal and I'd always since the day I met him I was like I, I really want to get you on yep. just took a while he literally works up the road okay. but it was just one of those things takes a while to sort of to he make didn't it wanna, he didn't want to do it he's a bit nervous no nah, just timing okay. like it's yep. just you get busy your schedules don't line up you can sort of try oh we'll try again and because oh, I that's one thing I never really rush to get people on yep I'm let bit, them let them come at their own I'm, sort I'm of yeah, bit, yeah not like superstitious about it but mm. I'm I'm definitely very uh like even with you it's just a we were just like yep we could do it here yep. no nah, i'm gonna be like yep cool there's no i never try and force it or chase it and lock something in like we gotta get it done rah, rah, rah. Yep. but so with taylor he come on he's got i don't know two thousand instagram follows uh trains mick fanny and a bunch of these big guys and he's yep. just this really amazing spirit um very oh, there's just an aura about him you yep. know and he's just such a great guy and with zero practically zero social media following you put out the episode and it just spread like wildfire there you go like it was there just because of it was just him and i got to be very honest and vulnerable with some of the things that i'm going through at the moment mm-hmm. and my uh thoughts on i'm a deep thinker <laughs> yes <laughs> and I, I could i can tell <laughs> you know and, I, and but that's always been me i'm yep. always it's always layers deeper and deeper to i, I love just a general understanding of either people or things and mm-hmm. like really why and he just had he's just a dude that's really not just a thinker but more of a doer mm-hmm. as well how good how good though that the audience clicked into that oh, and and found it found a you know a connection with it that's doesn't have to be no. the person that's got the as i said before you know the trophy cabinet full or or um you know the amazing record book there there's other great yarns and some of them are people that work behind the scenes that mm. absolutely make the whole deal go around you know yeah it? and i think that it's um it's been cool uh, a lesson to me as well is that to be a great host of a podcast i think you've just got to be good at listening most definitely that's that um i mean that that 
never a truer word's been spoken. I've always tried to maintain when I've done um, TV stuff, I, I believe in several key things, right? I believe in balance massively when it comes to this. Um, I, sometimes you've got to ask a tough question, but it's the way you word that. Yeah. The way you word that question, rapport is, is, is key. And I won't do stuff that is, um, your gut's a great, a great um, yeah, litmus judge, test, yeah, right? Like yeah. if it's doesn't feel right, then that, there's a reason. There's a reason for that, you know? So, um, yeah, if the conversation just happens and, and, you know, in the Casey example, I mean, I didn't go there expecting that he was going to talk about chronic fatigue and yet he opened up about that. Mm. You know, that's, yeah. Well, because I, I think one of the things I've noticed with this is that I just wasn't that good of a listener before I started doing this. And even at the start of this, I wasn't that good of a listener. Like, it's actually a thing that you need to notice and work on in day-to-day life. But that flows with the conversation, doesn't it? So, you know, we've, we've, we hardly know each other. We've sat down to start this, and I don't know how long we've been going for now, but but that is that is key to... I can I could sit here now and use your laptop and type up, you know, I don't know, 15, 16 questions that would be triggers for mm. me, and I do do that sometimes depending upon who the guest is if I don't know them super well. But if I don't listen and if I don't pick up on certain things and, and, and find a way to um, let them open up about it, it's not about... Um, you know dive in for the headline look mm. for the it just you know you, you can read you can tell mm. that they're comfortable to talk about that or that's enough that's enough move on now so yeah. did your time in radio help with all of this do you think it, it did it did but there is there is because that was your first media gig pretty right? much I radio yeah. I, I uh <laughs> I was originally working in banking and finance when I first got out of high school my my family have a uh history to a degree in, in business my old man ran a hydraulic company with 60 staff and and my grandfather was in the rag trade and there was kind of this unwritten want for me to go in down the business path but I love karting dad would always come with me and I was very average at it mate just very ordinary and the commentary spawned or, or spun off that yeah right and I, I did one job at Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park as we now know it um there was an event uh, over the Australia Day long weekend, which was all kinds of different circuit racing. And at night time, they would move into drag racing. And it was just this, this court like all of the triple challenge. And anyway, there was uh, the carts were there in a kind of demonstrational race capacity. I wasn't racing. They said, could I go along and do some chats with them? I said, yes, for the, just for the big screen, you know, and the, and the PA. At the end of it, the guy producing it said, have you done this before? I said, no. He said, do you want to do it again? I said, yes. And like two weeks later, I was at Oran Park working as a pit reporter on, of all things, truck racing. Yeah, right. And it, it kind of went from there. And I went off and did some proper training. Um, I then got a job at, at 2GB as a as a reporter. Just you know, Were you doing like sports reporting? Or? To begin with, yes. Um, but I had in that, in that um, transition period in finance, I had a really good boss. He loved MotoGP. He loved going to Phillip Island to watch the race. And, and he'd got heard, him some tickets. No, he, he'd, <laughs> he'd heard me though. He'd heard me doing a bit of stuff, and, you know, doing a bit of moonlighting kind of thing. Yeah. And he said, you should pursue that. And That's cool. That's very cool. And so I, I did, most of it was just, just um, over the PA. Lee Diffie and I would go around the East Coast in particular of Australia and do all kinds of different car and bike events and sometimes share them. If he got a, a better opportunity that came up, I would cover for him and vice versa. Uh, okay. And mate, they were tough early days. You know, he would he would come and stay at my folks' place, and I'd you know more or less do the same. Um, and 
I, I like to think that that stuff really served me really well. Um, but anyway, my, my boss said, you should pursue that. Why don't you work for me a handful of days a week, almost like a freelancer? I'll, uh, I'll let you earn some cash that way and then go off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, pursue the dream and, and see where it takes you. And 12 months later, I walked back into his office and he said, just go, go. I, know, awesome. I know why you're here. And so, uh, you know, I thought my old man would freak and, and my grandfather similarly. Um, they could not have been more supportive, mate. They, um, Dad in particular said, you know, you give this an honest two years, give it a real shot, you know, do the hard yards like you did when you got this place and you're on, you know not much in the pocket and you're trying yeah. to make it make it happen same deal I mean I, I would drive from Sydney to how old were you at this point oh early 20s I would drive from Sydney to Ballina and do like dirt track racing for you know for to cover for Lee or vice versa back to Sydney again to work you know and you'd drive then because yeah. it, was, it was early days yeah um, the radio thing opened up it came about through a through a colleague who thought there was some potential and encouraged me to go off and study um, man, I was I out of my league to begin with in radio, not because of the medium, but because of some of the general sports stuff I was doing. Uh, you know, I made mistakes and I had to learn. Moto, like motorsports, pretty head, much, yeah. pretty much. But but you but you learn. You're with some good people. Um, probably some of the best people I worked with in a journalistic sense uh, that taught you how to, you know, understand the story to write the minimum amount of words because you're always tight for words yes. in radio. You know, um, and that foundation along with Billy Woods at Channel 10 I mean those guys were unbelievably good to me one guy I worked with in both both Jason Morrison I worked with at 2GB and he was our, um, our like our chief of staff in the newsroom at Channel 10 and he was great uh, to me in, in both examples to the point where when um, I'm fast forwarding a little bit here but but when September the 11th happened I was working um, at 10 that night in the, oh, the sport wow. department so this is like 10-ish at night. Most of the staff have started to disperse for the night. There's a handful of staff left. Um, the producer for sport was already in the control room. Sandra Sully is reading the news. And I walk past the news exchange area where there's like a, a bank of monitors with yeah, all this different stuff yeah, coming in from yeah. around the world. And the guy was kind of a bit ashen-faced. And he said to me, man, I just I think I saw a plane go into the World Trade Center. Wow. So, Whoa. And the director and the producer of the news had already switched to it and they were getting Sandra just to sort of live voice over what was going on. And the phone rang and the producer said to me, are you watching this? And I said, yes. He goes, record everything and start making notes. So, okay. So I start making notes. I'm, you know, at this point thinking World War III is going to break out. And uh, then the whole organization came back to life again I mean, it was an amazing period mate because there was a lot more people and um you know a lot of newsrooms like that now are very skeleton staff but but it's uh. amazing everyone everyone came together right so people started coming back in and jason who i'd worked with at 2gb said to me have you you been right across this and i said yes he said okay are you okay to work through the night I said 100 so we worked right through the night they did a 6 a.m. bulletin the next day and it was an hour and it encapsulated everything. I mean, they crossed to reporters over there and all sorts. But here was this little sport reporter who wrote and voiced with their help a five-minute encapsulation, which I've kept to this day, of everything that unfolded with, wow. with 9-11. So, you know, 
I got to work with some good people. There were some significant moments along the way, radio in particular, and um, you know, from rugby league grand finals to whatever, just as a reporter. Yeah. And then working through the newsroom as well. I did sort of daytime news at the end before I before I left, um, and then moved into to Channel Ten in a more full time role. But there's some significant things that have happened along the way. There might just just by sheer chance, but but you remember those moments. Um, those people show you what to do and, and yeah. how to do it, and and they also instill in you a bit of um, integrity and ethics and, yeah. and the way you go about that. And I, I think when you peel everything back, and we're in a new medium here now, those things still apply. The yes. ethics and stuff still yep. apply for me. Yeah, because yeah, that's one of the things I've always watched with you is just like it's just you seem like the consummate professional, but it doesn't seem forced or contrived. It's like you just genuinely have that much respect for your position respect for the platform and the message that you've been entrusted with to deliver it's just i don't know it always has come across with you and uh, your voice will you know even you know it's not like you're the guy that's calling the main race every Mm. single weekend but Mm. i always remembered the way that you would report on things and i just always got that that, Thank you. Uh, that vibe from you, and and then to when I went and had a look at back at what you'd done, it really makes sense that you know you you went through the sort of you really went through the full gamut of Absolutely. media, and because I I can relate to that in the film sense of even you saw how pedantic I was about yep. just headphones. There's certain things after so many years of being in a this is the right way to do it. Yep. This is the way it should be done. I don't care if it's a little bit out of frame here. You fix that frame. If the yep. audio's, you fix that. Like, and I just think you have that same approach with, with your profession. And, and it, it seems like you just really respect what you have as a person that gets to deliver certain messages or interview certain people. And uh, I've always just, I've always noticed that. Thank you. I have always believed that I'm very lucky to do what I do. And I default to a, a position of respect every time, particularly with the athletes. I, I feel very fortunate to talk to them, uh, that they are comfortable to talk to me, um, and I'm very mindful of what they've achieved. Mm. So you, you, I work within that that sphere. But it didn't come easy, mate. I, I if I'm brutally honest, I, the toughest lesson, or one of the toughest lessons I learned is that it's particularly on camera in, in a television sense it's not acting it's not um i felt this almost in the early early years it was like a need to sort of prove yourself but over time i realized that the moment you drop that veneer i mean yeah. I, I'm, I'm no uh in tv terms i'm no no glamour or what have you but it didn't matter it didn't matter no. what, what the moment you realize that you just just be you just be genuine um come at it from the gut or the heart you know if you if you're reading those yeah. signs all, all the time that stuff serves you well and i always try and think too um about what is the question or, or what is this the subject that the audience is thinking about so i don't have to be the guru that knows yeah. every every stat yeah. or every technical thing but if i can unearth that from you because ultimately yeah. that you're the one they want to hear from right it, then that's that's what I want to yeah. do. That that so it didn't come easy, but I'm um, very comfortable with that now. Probably the the thing that I do even all these years later, mate. Probably the thing that I do wrong sometimes is that I am am way too hard on myself if it is not perfect. Yeah. So I walk away some days and I you know I kind of wince or or relive it 
Um, I wish I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a, a you know a default in my in my makeup. Um, but I do think what that helps you with is to make it better next time. Yeah. And there's the moment I think you get complacent and you think that you're on top of it, you're goner in this game. And that, that, that's yeah. that's I. I know my place in the in the rung or the, on the ladder. Um, respect is a natural thing with with mm. the guest or whatever, and and it's the real me, mate. Yeah. Do you yeah. see though people now wanting to hear from you more and your perspective more when you're doing these podcasts? Yes, um, and uh, sometimes it's a weird feeling, isn't it? Uh, sometimes, like I, I did a I did quite an impassioned plea before even before the podcasting in in 2016 or 2017. There's quite a heated moment involving Garth Tander and, and uh, Fabian Coulthard here on the Gold Coast, actually. And it blew up on social media and fans were kind of firing in at each other. And I am very anti-bullying, mate. I, I don't like it. I don't like to see school kids subjected to that. I don't like seeing motor racing people subjected to that uh, in, a, in a social media space because I think about their family seeing that stuff might be 10 years time somehow Man, they, Fabian they, was really affected by Bathurst yeah, yeah, really um, affected yeah, he, you know it's okay to have a viewpoint yeah. it is okay to wear your colours with pride you might be a Chad Reed supporter and I'm you know Ricky Carmichael whatever staunchly wear those colors and and, yeah. and and back your guy or back your girl or whatever it might be that 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 you're following or the team but but just respect the other person's viewpoint you know yeah. like, like like why does the argument have to to drill down to this horrible horrible stuff that people say sometimes that when you meet them when you when you occasionally join the dots and yeah. you, you you figure it out you're you, you, you know um you're at Marvel Stadium and you figure out that the fan waiting to see Chad Reed is the guy that blew up, you know, whatever. And they're not like that mm-hmm. when you see them face to face. So, I, I, you know, I don't want it to be vanilla, mate. I don't like the thought of that. I mean, the, 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 in anything in life, whether you're following UFC or whatever, mm. you, you've got to have a passion for it. You've got to be fired up about it. But I just think that it's horrible to they're a human being at the end of that you know they mightn't well, read they every kids they, they, it, absolutely you know, like yeah. it's like, just well, shit it's well just, even like my mum read iTunes reviews of people just fucking roasting me and like it really upset her yeah and it's just like I mean to me I don't care that these days like it's sort of I dealt with maybe a month of feeling shitty about it mm. and then I was like oh whatever but you know that's not to say that it doesn't affect my mum. Like, mm. she doesn't have to deal with no. the thing. Well, I have to deal with this daily. But, you know, she might look at it at some point. It really affects her. And yep. it's like, dude, like, you're being a dick to my mum, yep. essentially. It's, yep. a, it's a weird... But I think that's um, an overarching theme in society at the moment. And Definitely. I think that it's just a... Do you reckon it'll change? Do you reckon we'll grow out of it? I mean, like, they, you know, begs the whole argument about do social media outlets, do sporting bodies. Um, you know, it, it, it's a massive deal in, in, in a very expensive way to, to monitor and weed all that stuff out. And part of me thinks we have a responsibility to do that, you know, particularly a sporting body. They don't want their fans to see that stuff or to yeah. see it that bad. But that takes monitoring. That that costs money to do that. And it's, you know, we could ban you tomorrow. You could get kicked off that forum tomorrow and you can yep. come back, you change one letter in your in the little pseudonym name that you give yourself and you're back on doing it again you know but I just the answer I think is somewhere in the middle it requires maintenance but it also requires a society mind shift mate you just you just can't 
do that. Or I don't think people should do that. I think that it's just education. Hmm. Like, I think the, the, the answer to all problems in society for me is just straight up education. Hmm. Like, people need to know why they shouldn't do it. They need to be open-minded enough to want to accept new information. Because yeah. I think that while it... Like, so, for example, friends of mine, they won the block this year. Mm-hmm. And their social media... Like we were talking to them, they were saying that the the producers block just hundreds of words. So anyone that types a word, a comment, and I'm sure supercars would it's do already, similar already hidden, stuff. It doesn't yeah. make it to the timeline. It just yep, yep. it just gets filtered yep. out, and it's like I can see the merit in that. Mm-hmm. But then I also think that there is uh, I'm probably like a anti-government person in a way, mm. uh, anti-authority in a way, because I think it's like it's nice to start there. But then it's like, okay, so then what's the what's the extrapolation of that? Yep. And now it's no one gets to comment at yep. all. And I don't think that's a good thing. So you're right, the answer's in the middle. But I think it's like if you get rid of the people that want to engage in the extremes, then the middle's what's left. Yep. So I don't think you need to force the middle on people no. as much as you need to educate the people that are on the extremes. Like educate a person that tells someone to fucking go die because they drive a Holden educate that person the same as the person that is saying no comments no interact mm. because yep. to me it's the same thing key, key word for me is educate right mm. and and I think that in a racing sense because you know invariably the rule books are massively thick yeah. full of you know difficult the moment you can educate a fan about oh, no no hang on this is why that yeah. happened or this is why yeah. Often that heat of the moment response will change. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely think that you know maybe that's the the onus in the sports dealing with a lot of that stuff is is maybe put put their arm around some of these guys. Yeah. And, okay, we don't like the way you've spoken, what you've done. That doesn't that's not right for us. But you know, understand this is why you know that particular decision was made, or yeah. or why that that person said what they did. Yeah. And I think that just people don't know what they don't know. Hmm. And there might be people that think that comments are completely innocuous. Yeah. And there's also, I've had people that have, uh, like trolling is super real. Mm. Like I've had people write me off in comments and then I write back to them and then I get a DM from them going, hey mate, no, oh, super, like I'm actually a big fan. So, I mean, there's, there's so many levels of it, but I think that, I mean, there's just another thing too. Like if Intera- you Interacting like that, I reckon is, is important where you can. I mean, you, do you, you can't, do you yeah, I do, I do, I do, absolutely. And, and if there's a mistake in it, sometimes I've, um, not all television stations like you doing that, you know, admitting that, that something wasn't right or whatever, but I just think you need a bit of empathy, right? So mm. if there's a thread happening in a conversation and you realize, oh, hang on a minute, that's actually not right. Or the, the, the audience didn't like that. Yeah. You need to sort of understand that and, and go, okay, well, how can we, fix that next time or okay um thanks yeah uh, I've, I've i've passed that on and we're going to look at a way to hopefully fix that i can't guarantee it but we'll we'll try yeah and just that little bit of empathy goes a long way i don't believe in it being a bs response it can't just be um saying stuff to appease people you got to really try and yeah. do that but i i try and listen to a common thread if there is one but i'm also big on if they're massively out of touch with what's going on I just very kindly say you know hey um, just so you know da 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 and yeah. try and and then you do get those very often those direct messages oh hey man I didn't know that or, yeah. or uh, and it changes their viewpoint and I think then they go away and maybe talk to five of their friends and go okay well yeah. um, 
A, they're, they're really listening or B, I got this response. I, I don't get off on them thinking they got a response from me, but I, I am pleased that they feel like we're dealing with it in some way or, or yeah. that, it, that it... So yeah, I I, I don't... I haven't sat sat down and gone okay in this podcast thing. I I need to interact with my you know, my listeners or whatever. I just think that every once in a while I'll sit down, I'll look at stuff. Yeah. If there's a, a conversation happening or they feel, and I just I try and respond to um, not all of them, but but a good few of them. And yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been that's been one of the cool things for this is building a community of people that yeah. because we're all into the same stuff. Like yeah. if you if you're a regular listener of any podcast it means you're into whatever it is that they're talking about so there's definitely something you've included them in the conversation again mate haven't you yeah Yeah. and and people i think that there's like a sense of belonging that people don't seem to have a lot as well these days too i feel like you know the sort of saying like we're more connected than we ever have Have been, been but we're really we're really not you know we're sort of connected to death almost there's this great photo today i saw on social media from the the actress bit midler she's in an in a um uh she's in a museum or um what's she looking at sorry there, there were these three kids and they were seated in front of her so she's taking the photo like that the three kids are buried in their phones and behind her is this the most amazing artwork yeah. and an older guy is admiring the artwork and she's like what is wrong with this photo you know what is they're so Deep. No, they were deep, yeah. yeah, but they weren't taking in the yeah. beauty of the art around them. And, you know, I, I took my kids to their first ever concert oh, uh, really? in, in New Zealand and recently. 11 and 13. Yeah. So, uh, mate, I'm not even going to probably pronounce his name right. We went to Khalid. Oh, okay, right? yeah. And, and they're massive fans I've of his. I've got tickets for his okay. uh, later this year. Yeah. They loved it. They oh. absolutely loved it. So, um, anyway, it was just amazing to sort of look around and I'm sort of taking in the concert and the venue and the atmosphere and so many of them are watching it through their phones like yeah. you've got to record it you've got to you got to watch it so yeah it's just it's different how we digest that stuff but i'm big on you know sit back listen look take it all in and yeah mm, mm. the the phones thing is crazy and i imagine being a parent because you grew up without a phone it yep. wasn't until you would have been in your mid-20s early yep. 30s that the phone thing even happened so i wonder what it's like well your kids are old enough that they wouldn't have been the ipad babies but like the ipad babies are real thing and that is is it is that a trip for you to like see and is that something that you have to do as a parent to keep the kids off that stuff but and and also to understand that that's how they live so it's striking a balance yeah and all that in all that you can't really fight it can you because then you just put your kid behind the eight ball but they they do so much at school that involves that stuff now really and they reckon i mean like my daughter the other day my oldest one she's doing a um an assignment and I could hear her doing a voiceover and thinking whoa and she's even using a few inflections and and um, the youngest one has now started to pick it up and do it too so they'd you know very simply because you can you know they'd made a fun little video they put a voiceover on it some yeah. text and some graphics and they did it all themselves you know I mean this is shit that I was used to when I first started in yeah. television that took a proper yeah cameraman you know beautiful you know recording yeah, you got it yeah, yeah. and then you just do it with your phone and and so you can't not encourage that I want to encourage that that's that's their world and that's what that's what they do but a bit of bit of balance my wife and I don't always get it perfect but Sarah and I try and you know I make, that make sure extremely difficult. it's hard man it's hard because you don't you don't want them to get hung up on likes and follows and but but it is 
you know, it is a part of the world. It's just balance, you know, making, yeah. them, make, making them park it and come out and do other things. It, yeah. it blew me away the other day. I had uh, this chick, Casey O'Neill, on the podcast. She's 22 and she's a professional mixed martial arts fighter. Uh-huh. Beast, like yeah. proper, proper beast. But she was saying, and I just didn't even put two and two together, that she grew up with Facebook and Instagram <laughs> at school. <laughs> Like there that was just her life. Yeah, and normal. she said she had a lot of self-esteem issues and she would just add everybody on Facebook just so that she maxed out her friends counter. And like, yeah. I just didn't even consider that shit. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, this oh, yeah. is, and she's uh, not, I didn't even really perceive the age difference to be as much as it was. Like she's an mm. adult to me. Yep. But then when you go into it, it's like, wow. That 10 it, years, that, 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 yeah. The world changed mm. so mm. dramatically mm. in those 10 years. Yeah. But the, the, there's a weird thing with entitlement too, mm. I think that, and I don't know, do you put your episodes on YouTube? Uh, no, not, they're not, they're not visual at the moment, just, just audio and no, we don't do, don't do YouTube just yeah, yet. So, yeah, that's the weird place, man. Yeah? YouTube's the weird zone. Mm. Like I've got a video of, uh, it's like a segment of me and Chad's conversation about James and it, I've got a thousand comments on there of people just like ripping me, like just so hectic. But it's like, that's the only forum. So it's like these weird little pockets of different platforms have different vibes. Definitely, about like, most it's definitely. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are, are um, you learn to, you learn to not play to that, but you, you learn, um, you know, Instagram's cool. You know, yeah. people are generally pretty good, yeah. pretty good there. But Twitter's a hot pot for, for I don't do Twitter really don't you yeah, yeah. I mean it's, I think it's doing a bit of that anyway and then um, Facebook's kind of a combination of the two I love it mate I'm, I'm, st- I'm an older guy compared to you but I, I love learning about that stuff understanding that stuff I, you know with the kids you brought that up before I try and um, you know we want them to have a bit of rope yeah. but we want to understand okay just you got to think about what you're doing here and, and if you're going to post some stuff on Instagram what are we posting why are we posting it and yeah, you know, yeah. so you, you don't get that stuff perfect but you try yeah it's definitely waters to navigate though isn't it yeah. like and yeah. we when you think about it and it's the can't, same can't go to your parents for advice either because it's different it's yeah yeah we're all just like kind of navigating it mm. the the like school every, of hard knocks yeah everyone's yeah. just like mm. kind of by the seat of their pants like yeah oh. but even me lately like i've found out just lately like i'm too engaged I need to take a step back. That's good like that I'm, you realise that, mate. That's good. Yeah, but you, you sort of, you have to, eh? Yep. Because I think you can get pretty lost in, in the whole thing. Because essentially, like, do you feel like uh, with the, well, do, do you deal with a lot of the numbers side of things? and Or is that all sort of through podcast one? Like they know way more than I do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly aware of it. And obviously I have a, um, you know, from years in the business, you end up having commercial relationships with different people. So, you know, some then come to you and say, oh, we, we're doing this project with you, but we'd love to play in the podcast as well. So, yeah. you know, you end up yeah. having those discussions. Um, but I, I'm not so much the podcast numbers, but from a social point of view I, I find myself trying to um not get too hung up on yeah different things you know yeah. um oh is that little mate all right what's going on he does it all the time he hears, he? he hears my brother come in he? and then he's like wants to go and hang out yeah he's a pest <laughs> he's good i love it i love the fact we've got we have two dogs at home i love him mate so um yeah know, he goes everywhere like he? he when i was in america he, i had like a bag for him i used to take him on the plane and then as soon as the plane took off, he'd just lay on my lap the whole time. So, That's awesome how yeah, you can do that over there. Sing, single dad, yeah. so I have to take him everywhere. He's, he's met more riders than most people. I, I love how he kind of just just subtly 
growled in a little way. It was just like, I don't want to interrupt Dad on the <laughs> chatting away here, but I do need to let him know I want to go and go oh, and see what's going on. He's the biggest pest, day, eh? But no, he's he's so good. Like when I, oh man, it killed me. Eh? It took like twelve months for him to get here in yeah. the end, like with all the appointments. Oh, that would and, break my heart. Man. Oh, it was mm. terrible. But yeah. now, like he lives a pretty good life, so good. I'm just like, yeah, uh, you can deal with it, bro. As long as it didn't you know affect him that much being away from you that long and all that process nah, he was fine hey? like because I, I was real worried about that because he's a pretty mm. sensitive dog yep. like he won't like if you call him he won't even come to you okay but with me he he, does. he knows yeah, yeah. so yeah. but it's like people it's funny people get real pissed off at him because they think he's real arrogant no nah, no nah, he's good he's good I, I noticed when i walked in like he came to the stairs and he checked me out and i like that that's good but mm. he's not like he's not one of those dogs that's like all over everyone no but, like, um, are you no, this is cool okay you're all right you know yeah. <laughs> um, i wanted to ask before when you were doing those drives yes to you know these different Ballina events like the, yeah you've yeah. got like that because i can relate to that because i'll do that with the filming yep so were you having these like grandiose visions of yourself calling formula one races and doing these you know what what you've achieved now but did you have those visualizations on the whole drive like were you sort of did you get in those trance like things and it's just you and the road and then you've got those visions bits maybe maybe i wouldn't i wouldn't say i obsessed over it i probably did a bit of am i going the right way here is this gonna pan out will it you know or am I going to have to go back to finance? You know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. Um, I sat back and did a bit of my buddy Lee Diffie, who's in the States and works for NBC. And You, you know, side note, mm-hmm. I think I'm actually related to him. No way. Yeah. My dad dropped in like some like broadcast that he was on one day. Like, oh yeah, he's like your fourth cousin or like some kind of... I'd love to actually figure out if that's oh, legit or not. You yeah. got to, you got to, I mean, because he's killing it in the states. He's, he's doing, it, he's yeah. doing an amazing job. Um, so, you know, uh, sorry, side. Note. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, side note. Um, <laughs> where were we going with that? I'm trying to remember. Um, um, so um, you would have these, like, you're on these road trips, and you're thinking, is this the right thing? Yeah, is I'm this doing? the right and, thing? And and um, you know, you you. It was great because he and I were such good mates that you'd spur each other on. Yeah, you know, you, you'd. Yep. Um, and we made it fun, you know. You'd go go for a beer at night time after the race was over, and because he's going out. through what you're going exactly. through, there's not many and, people that can relate. He was kind of coming at it from a two wheel perspective. He would do a lot of dirt track, and some some events we did together. We went to a, an event at Fairburn Park in Canberra. I can remember we were we must have called eighty to a hundred races or something. I can't remember now. And wow. you'd, you'd go, you'd go. Um, uh, you know, okay. Up next, it's the ADCCs, and you'd put the microphone down. And there was there was like a boombox, an old boombox, and you just play some music, press for, play, th- press play yeah. for thirty seconds, and then pick it up and do the next race again. So it didn't have all the all the fancy stuff. You'd have to live read some ads and thank a few people that had sponsored different things. And but they're great. Those those formative days are really good. Now good. We're the, we're great mates now. We talk every week and it'll be that's a, awesome a, yeah and, and often it'll be a stirring conversation he rings me with some sort of funny anecdote about something and winds me up um and you know we've gone different paths he's gone very successfully he went to world superbike for a while and in, in um in the you know in, in europe and the uk for a couple of years came back to australia did some more supercars and he's been in the states now for another 12 odd years and yeah. done all kinds of stuff he you did know, the motocross so, for a yeah, couple yeah, of years yeah he's he's bloody good mate he's very real go-getter he's got a great thing about this is where i was coming to the point is um one of his lines is just enjoy the journey enjoy life you yeah. know and you know to think that i was i can look back now i went to the akubra nationals at tamworth in God damn. Maybe, maybe 94 or something 95 
Casey Stoner raced in four classes back then. He was a little tacker and, you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. So you think back on it now and you, at the time, you don't necessarily realize it, but, but, um, cause you're so in it. You're so in it yeah. and, and just want to do a good job and things. But you look back now and you go, wow. So I drove, you know, whatever it was, six to eight hours to go and go and do something and how the paths have crossed years later. And, yeah. You know, even even some that you saw back then that were dynamite too, unbelievably good riders that, but maybe only made it to yeah. this level didn't didn't make it internationally, and and you realise they had a you know huge amount of talent. So yeah, good good journey. It's funny with a guy like Lee, the relationship that gets formed when you're doing something that is so specific. Yep. And there's just not many people that you can actually relate to. Yep. And I've got that with Wes Williams. I'm not sure if you've, okay. you've yeah. heard of him, but mm-hmm. he uh, was the owner of Verb Moto, and that's mm-hmm. who I ended up doing a lot of my big film project with. Like me and him forever and a day, we will never not be friends mm. because he understands this thing that we were so passionately like following, and it was so hard and the grind. Like I remember a day at um, Alden Baker's facility mm. in Florida. Uh, I had uh, something happen with the batteries for my camera. They didn't show up in luggage or it, something like that happened. And we were there. I had a, a super slow motion ca- uh, phantom camera yep. and I couldn't, no batteries. couldn't turn it on. So Alden gave me a, a Honda 2000 generator and I would carry the camera in one hand and the generator, and the generator in the <laughs> other hand and I had the power lead wrapped around me yeah. and I would run. I ran. We had 20 minutes with Ken and Ken, Jason Anderson and Adam Cincerello. And I had 20 minutes for their last moto because by the time we fucked around with the generator, I had all these shots I had to get. And it, it's 105 degrees in Florida. And I'm running around a Supercross track with a hundred plus thousand dollars. Did you get the year. beautiful shots? Oh, did I just, get? I fucking nailed it. Like awesome. I just absolutely awesome. pinned it. And but, you remember that like film in your mind. I, oh, love, I love stories like that, mate. And, but you'd mm. have the exact same yep. things and you'd remember them yep. with, with Lee because it, you just uh, there's not many people that can relate to what that experience was like and in, invariably you're different human beings with something so some stuff I'm not great at and he's he's really good at and maybe maybe a yeah. bit of vice versa yep. and you you help each other in that regard I mean he's an unbelievably good people person and a real go-getter and so you know you look at some of that stuff and that that helps like you his networking yeah but, but not in a not in a um no, not not in a not fake in a way. No, not way, not yeah. at all. Yeah, like he's yeah. just he's just good with people, yeah. you know, and 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 very very good at his craft, mate. He's exceptionally disciplined at at um, studying it, getting to know it, getting to know the things behind the scenes that will be important to the audience in the yeah. contest, and and then how to get it out of out of the people he works with. He's great at. Um, that bond with the team of people behind the scenes. He knows, you know, almost everybody by first name yeah. and, and, you know, stories about their family and he connects with them in that regard. And, you know, he has that sort of relationship with some of the most significant races yeah. globally now as well too. So yeah, you learn you learn stuff off each other, but we've got really fond memories of those early days where we were, you know, hanging at my mum and dad's and, you know, not much in the way of money and, yeah. and uh, you know, he's on a fold-out bed kind of deal. And, and um, those, I still believe in... Any of the stories you've you've done or, or I've done along the way in in podcast land, you find those stories of you know sacrifice, yeah. and they they really do shape you. They really do, and the good guys and girls never forget them. Yeah, ever. Do you have the stories of like this is it? This is the last job. I'm doing this one, and then I'm 
I'm done. I'm going to go back. It's not working out. Do you, do you have those stories, or of, were you of always, me or of racer? You mean uh, or, for, no for yourself in with your career? Uh, there are days where it drives you mad, mate. Absolutely. Um, it's probably if you're not if you're not thick skinned enough mm. to deal with it you know you talk to either social media comments before maybe it's the politics of the business or whatever um, if you're not thick skinned enough you're in the wrong game mm-hmm. in many respects I, I have a <laughs> a level of thick skin it's probably not thick enough at times I'm, I'm probably a bit on the on the softer soft as marshmallow side in life um, so that probably means that I get a bit affected by that more but but you do get shaped over time and, mm. and, and I sleep very soundly knowing that I put my best foot forward I did the best job possible and most importantly I was true to who I was when I when I did that there are days where you go you know I'm over that or, yeah. or um, but but one thing I keep coming back to if I ever have those days is the people so and and the machine Right, so the moment I walk back into Marvel and I talk to yeah. Chad Reed yeah. or, or or um, you know, when we were commentating with Ricky Carmichael, man, that was the first time I'd ever called with him. And um, so there's Jason Wygant, there's myself, and there's there's Ricky, and we had three star-studded lineup. It was, mate, I was, uh, but I was honoured to be there, honestly, yeah. like really, and you know, I wanted to sort of steer conversations, sort of do play-by-play type deal and get us out of the key broadcastings that needed to happen. We were doing two shows on the run at the same time. There's a bit of a juggle in that. Mm, I, knew, okay. I knew Jace was uh, all over the the storylines of different things, and I knew that what Ricky would bring would be phenomenal. And there were times where you're kind of, you're kind of doing that. You're sort of watching out into the arena. You're, you're watching the yeah. screens in front of you, but I'm, I want eye contact with Ricky because, yeah. you know, that's important. And there was one moment where he, he shut his eyes and he was like visualizing and, I tapped into that for the audience. I was like, hey, it's like you were riding with him. And he sort of laughed. He said, actually, I wanted to make sure in my description that I got my lefts and rights yeah, right and okay. all, all that sort of stuff. So when you then have that, it refills the tank, yes. mate. And, and if yeah. you do feel flat, if you do feel um, over the, the politics and that, that shit drives me mental, mate. I just want to be t- television and, um, you know, broadcasting goes through a lot of a lot of similarities to what race teams go through yeah I bet. They, they go through politics they you know there's issues with people Contracts, and all that all that team, stuff yeah. you know i mean to, to for a bathist for example you're you're talking about anywhere between 260 and 300 people to make that broadcast go around you know it's a massive massive a lot deal of, a lot of people a lot, lot of people a lot of different personalities exactly so when there is a bit of that it it i get disheartened yeah no 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 doubt about that but the moment i reconnect with racer like i did with you know in in the example i gave with ricky or i'm around the cars or the bikes or you know the sound of four stroke two stroke whatever you you know that it goes it goes, away, it goes. Yeah. and it's you'll go through you'll go through ebbs and flows where you you've um you know you've had a couple of low points in your career for whatever reason for me the the big thing in in that scenario is it is not the low moment and what's gone wrong either something you've done wrong or something that you've been wronged by someone yeah. it's actually you're actually measured by how you deal with it yeah and i've been big on uh 
you know, everyone talks about that, you know, you be eyes forward and you, you don't look backwards and all that sort of stuff. There is, there is truth in that, but it's how you deal with it. And if you could deal with it with dignity, pick yourself up, power on, and um, don't, don't dwell too much on, yeah. on that thing. People actually look and go, oh man, okay, he's reinvented himself a little bit or he's, yeah. he's you know, they're the, they're the, that's one of the big takeouts for me, a, a life lesson, if you will. Yeah. Um, that that if you can do that, if if you can um, pick yourself up and power on like that, often that's how you're measured or viewed. Dad always says, "Don't trip over something behind you." Hundred <laughs> percent. Dick Johnson laughs about the only thing you get if you you know you're looking backwards is a stiff neck or a sore neck. You yeah. know what I mean, so yeah, good. It's pretty good. Pretty good advice. Yeah, the that whole politics and everything, and you said that you're kind of you're on the softer side. I mm. think that. There's yin and yang to that, though, because yep. you you might look at the way that you're soft about some things as a negative, but it's pro- that side of you is probably what's allowed you to have that rapport, gain that trust. Thank you. You know, so mm-hmm. there's a yin and yang to that because yep. I look at my, like, I'm just, I'm brash and I just don't kind of half don't give a fuck. I don't, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and to, that gets me in trouble. Mm. But then it's also a thing that I think is some people really heavily gravitate towards so i think that it's just like owning that being you know i'm just like well that's and there's admiration for that in the conversation when you do that people go oh i'm glad you said that because that's kind of how i felt but i thought i didn't want to say it or couldn't articulate it or yeah 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 so i don't know i mean maybe it's not that um not that bad of a thing to have like that sort of softer side because I mean, for me, I lack any form of that softer side, you know, like I'm kind of like ruthless when it comes to that. And I look at that, I'm like, ah, fuck, I probably shouldn't be like that. Mm. But then it's like, you just, but you can't know. be too, you can't be too soft either. It's, it's, there's, there's middle ground in it for sure, mate. Um, and yeah, I, maybe, I think you're right, actually, that it, it has probably served me well in a lot of respects. I would, and I would mm. think it more, more than hurt because I just think that, yeah, it, it just, like I said, it comes across that you're just this genuine professional guy that it and i don't think it's just that you've got respect for the guests or the people that you're interviewing i think you've got respect for the sport itself and your position within the ecosystem and like that's something that i think is very endearing and i think that that's something that when i started this podcast and i've talked about it before i'll put Mm -hmm. myself on blast for it i almost wanted to be above the sport Mm -hmm. and talk in terms of motocross because that's sort of my background where i come from I almost wanted to be too cool for it and be like, oh, I don't really So when did, need- it, when did it click then? When did, it, when did you go? Because I reckon that's, that's the thing. The moment you can, uh, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a conscious thing, maybe it just happens over, over time. You relax in your own skin. You, mm. you, you, you feel more comfortable doing what yeah. you're doing. The moment you do that, change. You know when I think it was actually, was when, um, did you see Red Bull Moto Spy, any mm-hmm. of those videos? Mm-hmm. So we got included in the Red Bull Moto Spy. Yeah. And I think that you could see in that that I talked from a very different position mm-hmm. in that than maybe some of the other like guys. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you could just tell I was frothing on it mm. and because it, I really was like these dudes are my friends mm. like Ken Roxon used yep. to come to our house every afternoon when he finished riding and we'd drink a couple Coronas in the hot tub Fantastic. and you know like that I have like that rev- reverence for these guys it's like I'm proud of them as as my friends and mm. I'm in awe of what they can do because I've seen it firsthand yep. and I think as soon as I saw 
myself talking about it like that i was like dude you've been a fucking dick this like you've been above it Mm. in a way because i think that when you're in uh like a niche sort of thing i think sometimes there's a oh, i want to get out of that niche i want to be mainstream i want to be you know there's different different things at play there and i think once i saw on screen that attitude and it was like super in endearing in my own eyes of like oh it's cool to be a fan you know great it's great that you realize that mate and that fan thing you know earlier on in our chat here we talked about uh, about the inclusion of the audience member either through the style of sound the style of conversation Mm. whatever it might be there that's that's another way you're doing it again because they're fans too and the moment they realize you're a fan like that you're a proper proper authentic fan not Mm. not a uh, not a put on it, it, that that helps you know it helps the whole thing resonate with them i reckon connect with them yeah, yeah and and it's coming full circle i think too because jason anderson and his whole team fried thing like <laughs> he's fully on that wait so, uh, <laughs> food i out. love him there's i love him let him out let him out yeah, actually i think they've turned the aircon off i'll be back in two okay, seconds yeah, cool 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 i'm gonna go on turn i'm all good oh. um yeah that whole um the team fried thing mm. is pretty crazy with that whole like jason anderson's like i'm doing this because my job's so fucking cool why would i not want to show people this and mm. i think that i don't know i just there was definitely a there was like an in click when i was in america and the guys that would talk shit on racing and that like oh we're just fucking i'm just here to do, get a paycheck like mm. that that infiltrated the psyche of the sport of what you were doing. when I was mm. there and mm. I think that I just adopted that and you know I sort of started to analyze you know just the position that you take without without thinking like subconsciously mm. that you you know you take this position and and as soon as I become aware of it I was like that's gross dude like that's mm. not that's, that's good, not mate. The, but, that's but, not the move in in this there's constant I've been I don't know since the early to mid 90s doing it you never ever stop learning, yeah. and and that's the thing. You know, there's always a way you personally can deliver it better. There's great days. There's great days where you you get off air, and it's almost you know that sense of uh, of adrenaline or satisfaction that I'm sure perhaps the racers get at a at a massively different level. But but when you know that it's all gone well, when you know that as a team you've been able to all you know hit the Come marks, together that's, and, yeah. that's a great that's a great feeling. That but. But I, I realized two things. One, that that you have a big responsibility. You're kind of up the front of the bus and, yeah. and the people that you're taking in that bus that are working behind the scenes in graphics or wherever, yeah. you've got a responsibility to do yeah. a good job for them. They work, they've worked for weeks, some of the months, trying to put stuff together. Yeah. So that's point number one. But then also, too, you're a cog in the wheel. So so you need to work in with that and... and um, and deliver with the machine to get to to get to the end result, and it's got to be, it's an overused word at the moment, but it's got to be authentic. It's got to be yeah. really you, you know. If, if it doesn't, sometimes people want the, you know, the big the slant on the story or cut to the the, um, you know, whatever it is the the hard hitting aspect of it. I, if that's there and they want to talk about that, that's fine. But yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go sticking my foot in the door trying to you know grab a yarn from from some racer who's been you know through a difficult set of circumstances just because someone wants a headline they can go and get nicked that yeah. i won't do that I'll, I'll happily sit down with them if they're comfortable doing that yeah and and um 
not be um, concerned if we've got to have a, a couple of tough uh, questions there. But so long as it's balanced, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you, you've obviously just got a crazy passion for motorsports still. And, and do you, where, where does that come from? Because you raced karts when you were younger. I, I went when I was knee high before I even started, um, you know, my mum and dad will tell you that mum and dad used to go to the Speedway in Sydney. They used to go to the Sydney, Sydney Showground in later years to Liverpool and, and to Parramatta. We would ra- watch bikes race but we um also enjoyed you know sprint car racing speed car racing so speedway was probably the the background for me to begin with but only as a fan and yeah. he, with, with my old man loved it and still does to this day he's he's 80 next year and he just he nothing more excites him more man, than he we, must be so proud when he sees you come on the telly like it, with all that it, it, i did i did a podcast with a guy by the name of gary rush um this year who's just a legend in sprint car terms yeah right. and in crazy crazy um six degrees of separation my dad used to do business with him they they uh dad was very much in awe and and uh, but they, they did a bit of business together and so he knew gary and and um so yeah so i did a did the chat with him and wove in a few stories that dad had told me and and things like that which personalized it a bit and so i mean you know that for him he's you know to think that i could get uh, his son could get to the stage of talking to someone like that um and gary's a, a ripper guy mate a, a um he almost gets a bit um funny about you recounting the greatness of what yeah. he's done you know i mean he's done some some amazing that's a things. bit of a barrier in podcasting in general, it, it can be it can be but with trust and and with the right sort of conversation you can you can yeah. get there some of them don't work out mate i mean that he did his was great but some of them when they're you compare humble. them to others yeah they're yeah. a bit too humble yeah yeah, yeah. but that's okay that, i've that's, literally had to say to people i'm like hey man you realize you're the best dude in the world of this yeah like you but, but that's who they are that, that's that's that's, yeah. that's who they are that's that's what they're that's it's what super they're like. cool yeah yeah so um so anyway so mum and dad loved it uh i was as a fan going to watch it ever since i was little when i got to the point where we could do a bit of karting and a few other a few other things i did some um rally sprints and and uh lap dashes just sort of low level circuit yeah uh, based stuff with mates from high school we, we all went halves in a in a or thirds actually in a in a race car um they were great great ways to experience it but i mate i knew straight i have a very clear moment i did a 12-hour go-kart race at um at eastern creek it was overnight it started That's you so over. it was awesome and then you know uh, greg murphy was in it craig baird was in it marcus ambrose was in it you know wow. there's all this great lineup of people that were hooking up with mates just to go go-karting it was low-key fun over summer no serious race stuff for them to worry about and in the middle of the night you know stupid me i think i'm going half okay and and uh I get this like rattle, 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 knock, knock, knock on the on the back of the go kart, and it's Ambrose, and he comes roaring past, and he sort of <laughs> waved at me, and <laughs> like he just disappeared into the distance. Wow. And I was like, okay, so you know you're never going to be able to operate at the level those guys operate at. So how can I be involved as someone who's passionately yeah. loved it as a little tacker? Yeah. Well, I, I, mum reckons I drove her mad talking, mate, before I could pretty much even walk. So I've blended all that together. I've, blend, yeah. I've blended something I love, something that I've, you know, I've been a gibber forever and a day. And now to be able to talk about it for a living is, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to do that. What, being around so many great athletes, 
What do you think that it is that lets Marcus Ambrose blow past you? Well, because mm. like, essentially, I think we're feeling the same things. Mm. Like the same, fuck, I need to hit the brakes. Yeah. He's feeling that the same way you are. He's just feeling it 45 metres down the road. They have this innate thing that okay you, you can train right you can you can train yeah. a rider you can train a driver you can you can do those things but there is still this innate thing i think up here which which enables them to hold it wide open longer to lean on the tire harder to whatever it is it's it's a very rare thing that not everyone possesses i'm in awe of those that that have that skill and that can enhance it and go to a to a whole another level either technically understanding the car or through raw just through you look at Lowndes even now i mean he's a a uh, an endurance driver these days when he gets in that car and he just rags it mate yeah and in all kinds of different conditions he's unbelievably good that's that's art mate that's yeah. a, that's a skill that, that you have to sit back and admire and trophies and championships and bathists and okay that that's really cool but when you understand that this is a um it's not superhuman but but almost it, it almost that it you is, know that really, kind of yeah. that kind of skill that that you know what do we got in supercars terms we've got 25 cars on the grid you know nation of 25 million people you got a one in a million chance of maybe making it there you know that's it's crazy that, when you put it like that. Got, i mean uh, uh, paul morris had that that analogy the other day and that's Mate, it, it, if you can do that, it just shows how how truly special you are. And then to deal with the politics, to deal with the yeah. commercial realities, to to bounce back from near career wrecking moments, whatever it might be. I mean, uh, you know, put, to put all of that together and and go out there and do it. I, I think so. That's a real uh, some some of them. I think they're just born with it. That they, I, what I love which is um, maybe where we're going in this discussion, is how they discover that. Mm. You know, okay, maybe maybe Dad's had a connection in motor racing or whatever, but, I mean, there are stories about someone who jumps on a bike and and the moment they, they're roaring around on a little Peewee 50, they're dynamite, you know, you, yeah. just, you just know they're... I mean, Stoner, you, you, there's stories of Stoner as a little tacker and, and, you know, Mick Doohan is at the same dirt track this particular day, maybe Aaron Slight's... Um, I'm trying to think who else may have been there. I mean, you know, this is a little kid on a 50 and he's bombing it up the inside under brakes and everyone's going like, who is this? What? Who is yeah. this kid? You know, that, that, I love that stuff. How they find their connection, how they pick up the tennis racket, how they pick up the yeah. golf clubs and then the application, okay, they, they work enormously hard. They're, they're passionately immersed in it. Yeah. They, they love it. Um, yeah, but but how they first find that connection, I think that's... that's um, you know, one of my closest buddies is Daryl Beatty, who raced yep. in, in. So yep. he and I have known one another for ages, and commentated together for many, many years. I mean, he's found he, he won a bike on Agro's Cartoon Connection. He had to write a letter into them, tell them why he should be the winner. Wait, I think I've heard this story yeah, before, yeah. actually, and, and that kickstarted his whole journey, mate. Isn't that, whole that unbelievable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think I, I've meaning to talk to him about it. I think he's tracked down the bike and is going to restore it and wow. found, found it you know so like that, that's that's, that's a podcast awesome. yeah that's awesome right there you know? for you so and you know and a guy who loves Outback Australia and goes riding with people out there now and shows them you know shows them that stuff so yeah I mean I, I love how they find that connection how they develop the, the skill set but I have great um, admiration for that I think it's an innate skill that the very few people have got because I think that 
there, there's people that are in our game mm. essentially obviously we do different things but we're in the same field it was the same for me i love racing and i just knew i wasn't good enough to do it but yep. loved it enough i think the people that end up doing what we do are the people that are genuinely like the fuck's going on here yep like how are they actually doing this there's that so you're in awe in in the one sense and then the skill set that you get from media i think helps you you talked about listening before right so you're listening to the the athlete and what they're talking about but you're also you also get to the point i reckon where you're thinking about okay what what's what would they want to know what would the audience want to know what's the natural line of questioning here that that leads you to ask about you know why chad reed at 18 left australia and took that punt and and not everyone's not everyone has that that gumption to just just pack up and have a crack like that you know so how did he do it and what is what is the audience thinking and how can i bring the two together how can i get that one of my things i think i do is i like to try to find the things that they don't even know that they know pretty cool when they open up about something like that hey and Mm. i've i've had those moments where people go like i've never really thought about it Mm. and then i'm like i'll think about it now Mm. because they live in a world where they're going you know back to back to back with press interviews or commercial commitments and they've got to go out and practice qualify whatever it might be you know you talked about bite-sized moments in life before and so they're living a bit of that so sometimes they don't always get the the freedom to be able to sit back and go you know i've never really contemplated that yeah well i think there's a part of it too that the guys like a ricky carmichael or a chad reed or or a you know adam cincerello like it it just happens for them yep but it, they've got it. We, mm. I don't. Mm. I'm. I want to know why they. You don't need to think about something that you've got if you've always had it. But being a fan like you are helps in that yeah. because there's understanding of of how difficult their thing is. I mean, you know, I've worked in other other newsrooms and there's there's you know sometimes they've had this default of uh, just tell me. Um, was there a big crash? Can we show the vision of the big crash? Mm. Yeah, but no, mate, you have to understand what Chad just did or what, yeah. you know, what Shane Van Gisbergen just did is, you know, is enormously special and you've got to convince them of, of that. They, don't, yeah. they just want the specky But they thing. want the burnout at no, the yeah, end correct, that you got to find Correct, for. correct, correct. Yeah. But, but Which you, is understandable as yeah, well. Yeah, I know, I know. But you and I yeah. are, th- are thinking because there's a, a genuine appreciation for mm-hmm. what those guys and girls do. Mm. Yeah, and I, th- I've, I think because Jason Wygant, so I did the podcast with mm-hmm. him in Melbourne. And did you know that he never rode a bike, ever? Never. Never rode a bike. That's until, crazy, mate. Until he worked at Racer X. That's cl- mate. So the fact that... He's just had this infectious enthusiasm for it. He's like the forty-year-old virgin of motocross. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> it's, like we're we're talking about it. I've known him for years yeah. and years, and and I always like I'd hear from like that's Davey a great Coombs. yarn. Oh mate, yeah. I'd hear from Davy Coombs and West. Like, dude, Wygant has like the craziest story. And the day I started the podcast, I'm definitely getting wide why yeah. I get to come on it. And I had such a great relationship with him in America. Like we oh, we've had a lot of beers together. But yeah. I never really went super deep into his story. But he didn't have a bike. You know how we got into motorcycles? Go. His dad was the inventory manager at fucking Belray, who didn't ride did nothing. Like had no interest in motorcycling at all. Yeah. So Weege would get all the magazines. And he just read every single cover to cover. Love it. And he, he wasn't allowed. His parents got him a quad because yep. 
uh, two wheels was too dangerous. Yeah. And then it was, he was just obsessed. He knew every single ride. He would volunteer at events. He'd go and watch racing. And like, he, he it was, it blew my mind. But he's one of the best dudes I in the game. I think he's the best motocross reporter in the world. I, I, I love that story. You know, we get to chat to some of the great stars of the game. But here's someone with an equal level of passion who's been immersed in books and history and whatever. It may be more. And look at the career he's carved for himself, mate. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. super interesting. And mm. I think that I think that those kind of people, and it's like you were a similar story, you yep. know, just growing up, going to the races. And it, it, it takes that like hardcore passion to want to do the kinds of things that you guys do because it's, it's like a, it's almost like, you know, they say you should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. It's almost you guys should be heard but not seen, seen. in yep. a way. Yep. And it, but there is these crazy stories of, of just pure passion and love because that's the, that's what it takes that's to do what mate. you do. That's the ingredient. You know, if you, if you, I think if it's not in your heart, you can, you know, there are plenty of people who've faked it to a point that, mm. that, that you know, have in all kinds of sport or, or media. But I reckon that's true of anything. If you, if you in your heart of hearts um, don't have a a proper love and, and, you know, invariably a long-held love for whatever mm. it is, I reckon people sense that. I reckon people can either in in an instant on television and certainly in a conversation like this, they figure that out, mate. They, people, yeah. people know that you're not genuine about it and i've always just tried to keep it in perspective i love it i've always loved it so i'm i'm a bit of a fan um but i i try and use the skills that over you know 20 plus years from the listening from the whatever it might be audience reaction sometimes it's a thread on socials whatever it is bring all of that stuff to the table and and either in your two and a half minute window if you've got an interview on television or a couple of hours in a podcast yeah try and try and tackle that have you have you felt the change in those 25 years? 100%. What, what's changed? I mean, I'm sure a lot, but I, I, what I, have been the big changes? I, I covered Target Tasmania one year and I walked into this TV station in, in uh, Tassie. I can't remember. It might have been Launceston. And uh, as, I, as I walked through, I'm going sort of this, through this rabbit warren to get to the newsroom to send via tape some stuff back to Sydney. And, and there's this massive reel-to-reel machine that's going... Wow. And the guy touring through says to me, don't bump that, mate. And I said, why? Why is that? He goes, that's, that's the late night movie kind of thing. It's rolling like it's on air now. Don't don't bump it. So technically, things have changed massively. When I first yeah. started, everything was on tape. Yeah. You know, uh, radio, I went through the transition where it went from tape to digital. And that was amazing because then you could do stuff so much faster, so much quicker. Yeah. And, and um, TV, you know, I can remember editors pulling their hair out because everything was tape to tape and how they had to go about it now i mean you can do it on your do it on your laptop um that the the rate of change in the 20 plus years that i've been doing it has so it's just a crazy huge and it's it's constant you mentioned cameras and quality of vision and and graphics and some of the stuff that you can that just keeps evolving mate it's just not it just doesn't stop the guys that, that at supercars um, you know, particularly the the head of television there and some of the, the key people, they do an amazing job at at embracing new technologies, looking at new ways the onboards can be used to constantly Bathurst in particular, constantly mm. change it up. How can we keep you know? So the rate of change in that twenty years has been huge. The personal growth has has be- 
because of the different jobs I've done. I reckon there's there's still something as I sit here and chat to you now that that will have come from my radio days, or, yeah. or uh, there's things that that serve you well, and and you you don't stop learning. I'll have, I've walked out of the the broadcast at um, at Ausx, and yeah. you know I've thought about stuff. Okay, that maybe that could we could have done that a little bit differently, or you know nothing bad, nothing yeah. bad. But you just you you always look forward for ways to keep changing it up in some ways. Yeah, what? it's there's a. I struggle with not struggle but I always think about the the we're in like such a weird zone of where people always see us through a window yep and it's a very like that's the window that's yep. the window people see you through they don't see you walk through the door they don't see that somebody cut you off on the way here or you nearly had some chick run into you at a <laughs> super like it's the, it's just a very very small window and, yep. and trying to like but still but still they can look at me now and in an answer that I'll give you in a heartbeat, they can figure out whether I'm real or into this. Or, That's or, true. And, and for you and I, when, when you get to that point where you figure out just be you mm. and uh, I think that connection then just happens through this, through that. Mm. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to be, um, you know, the biggest star on the planet I'm you know that's great for those guys but there's absolutely yeah, a space come with too much bullshit wouldn't it uh, there'd be stuff that would drive you mad <laughs> absolutely stuff that would drive you mad um, yeah I, I just think the, the realness in that that connection is very important mate yeah important. no I 100% agree I, I think it's interesting the way that you put something out and you can't control people's perceptions of you yep. and that like you have all you can do is be yourself but especially when I meet people that listen to the podcast, especially people that have listened to, you know, like there's three, over 3,000, well, there'd be 3,000 hours yeah. of this podcast up. And it's like you can't control people's perceptions, whether they over... over um, Overthink it or, or, or over... Uh, maybe like trying to think you're better than you are even mm-hmm. or people that think... Like it's, it's, a, it's such like a weird thing. And to, to do what you've done for 25 years... Mm. It's you've obviously been able to get your head around that whole that whole thing. It is it is weird for me to sit here on this side and take questions, oh, right, mate? I, I don't. I, I, can, I reckon I can on one hand think of the amount of times that that's that's happened. I I, I get a I'm okay talking about it now because we you know we're getting on good here. But but I typically have felt uncomfortable about that because yep. I default to the position of no, it's not about me. It's about the sports person it's about the whatever and i try and always be in that frame of mind but invariably when the podcast um happens a few people say oh mate i'd love to know more about your story you know? and, and you typically as you do so well mate you weave little yarns in about stuff you've done or or whatever which over those what are you up to now how many episodes 110 or something. 110 yeah. you, you, you gradually let people know more about you you know and that's the difference it's not an interview it's a conversation, and if we were having a having a corona now, that's how the conversation would be, wouldn't it? You'd share a bit of yourself, but you'd still want to know about what the athlete has yeah. to say, and that that's that's why it's great. Well, that that's what's interesting with you, and that's why I wondered even before if like you feel like there is a the tide shifting in a way to where it's like people would like to know more about you. Like I'm more interested in you personally than the guests that you've had on because I know what it takes to run a podcast yeah. I, I've been around 
a lot of TV presented. It's fucking interesting. Yeah. Like the stuff that, and to do it for so long and to do it so well for so long, that there is people that are genuinely interested in it. And it, I think that, yeah, the podcast medium is like a, it's great vehicle for that. Pardon the pun. It's yeah. A, it's a great vehicle for, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. you're the host of the show. It's your show. And, a friend of mine, Luke Kidgel, he's come on the podcast. He's a young comedian and mm-hmm. he's got a huge following and a, a, he does four podcasts with another comedian and he's just an insane following. They they sell out live shows all around Australia. Yeah. And and he said to me the other day, he's like, you've got to realise that if you've got a an audience that builds every single month, then those people are coming to you for you as much as the guests if if yep. not more yep. and it is it it would be weird for you because i feel like we do a similar thing in terms of when i was doing the film work like yep. again it's like you don't no one's really there to watch you like you're the thing that they're you're helping, the, helping you're de- the you're, vessel yeah, you're delivering to deliver it yeah but yep. now with the the way that this whole thing works is like yep. people do want to hear from yep. you and, and i'm interested in you as a person i don't want to sit here and be like well what was this person like what was this person like? i want to know what you're like and it's a it that is a weird thing isn't it and, and i reckon it's percentages too so you learn with the podcast to maybe more than i've done in the past um share a bit more of who i am and, and what i do but i still come back to yeah the subject matter is you the guest whoever um you're, you're talking to but to make the conversation flow you need a few of those yeah. things and that just happens i don't think i sit back and go i'm going to talk oh, about, I'm talk about that i'll yeah, talk about yeah. that and then then all you know da, da, da. um yeah i've always loved conversations i've always you know enjoyed that side of it so to think that you can do something now that people enjoy that is based around that and some of them have happened where i've almost gone in without a, a note i wouldn't say you said to me today i text you my old school um, uh, I wondered if brain. that's how I, you I, would I, be. Yeah. yeah, and I, you know, hey, what are we going to talk about? And and um, but some of the best ones have happened where it's just conversation. There's key things I'll I'll remember from uh, incidents with them or stuff someone's told me about or yeah. whatever. You bring all those things to the table, but sometimes it's better to almost shut that laptop that's got mm. bullet points on it or whatever and just go with the go with the flavor of the of the conversation yeah i i go back and forward with that because there's def there's been some podcasts where i've had like a prompter no mm. i've never had oh, any okay. uh at all but i've had i've gone away and i'm like fuck didn't ask that i meant to ask that <laughs> but then uh, it's one of those scenes that i know i've even thought about doing another podcast that is like super produced almost like a film a podcast version of the films that i used to make where oh, it's yeah. just yep just full on like amazingly produced with great scored music and maybe that's something I'll do but it's just this thing turned into this thing and mm. it's like I just don't have a I looked at your Wikipedia page for a couple of minutes to make sure I wasn't missing it's you know. got it's got someone's had some fun with that my middle really? name is not Charles so Dude, someone's someone, someone has put Gregory Charles my middle name is not Charles that's, go, <laughs> wait, that's going in the title of this podcast <laughs> Gregory Charles, Charles that's it that's it so uh, yeah, someone's had some fun mm. yeah but no it's uh yeah it's a, it's such a strange thing to then yeah f- to have people then want to hear about your story and I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to happen more and more because you are driving this thing that people are now following and it, it's interesting to 
to say that you do feel uncomfortable with yeah. it. It's a very, I think it's a natural thing, thing and it's like hard to let go yeah. of, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, But, you know, if it happens just through conversation yeah. in the middle, I mean, I'm, cool, I'm cool with that. I just you try and um, not overthink this stuff and just get, you know, eye contact, listening, yeah. da, 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 and just, yeah, whatever happens in the discussion happens. Mm. So are you recording them mostly yourself? Largely, and yeah. I try and do them... Um, done a few in studio like this I, I do like that i did shane jacobson the actor in studio um i oh know big your pardon i didn't i did him oh, sorry on location i um merrick watts the the radio guy oh, he and i he, yeah, he and yeah, i yeah, were yeah, in, yeah. in studio yeah correct yes, yeah, yeah so he and i were in studio um i try where i can to go on location just for a bit of atmos for a bit of yep. you know you're at the racetrack you're at the workshop you're at the um wherever um I did one in a cafe at to begin with, and then we end up going. To, it was going for so long, we ended up going to his house and finishing the conversation awesome. there, which was great. Yeah. Um, and the producer sort of said to me later, "Oh, you know, the cafe didn't kind of work because it's got all this noise in the background." And but part of me doesn't mind that because it's like you were at the cafe yeah. with me, and that's often where people meet and have a chat about stuff. Yeah. You know, so it becomes very vicarious or voyeuristic. Well, you, yeah. what's going on in the background there? Who's eating? You know, eggs Benedict or whatever the heck yeah. they're having. Um, but I, wherever the guest is going to be most comfortable, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that, I think that's one of the other cool things about the medium is like it just doesn't feel like there is any rules with it. And are you that's having fun with that side but of it? You, like you would not believe. Okay, yeah, and that and. And it's a really small team of people. So I've got a really good producer, a great audio engineer. One's in Sydney, one's in Melbourne. It's largely me that drives the the uh, teeing up of the interviews, yep. the you know, the gathering the material. And 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 as I say, we don't really edit them um, very much, if if at all. Yep. And uh, the beauty of that small scenario, I really like, mate. You know, I, I like sitting back and thinking about what we're going to talk about in the conversation, but finding that guest and who we're going to try and get next and and all that sort of stuff and just people that you'd you'd ideally like to chat with yeah yeah, yeah it does but it i i often say it's a very selfish endeavor like i selfishly yeah. want to talk to you like no you know <laughs> what i mean no one's no one's said to me like you need to get greg rust on the show mm-hmm. like there's good. no that's good <laughs> i'm glad no one's done that <laughs> but in terms of there's no producer there's no that's the we, beauty we of don't it, have like a uh, mutual management you know, yep. it's it's very very selfish and I'm like I mate, like ha- this guy I would like to talk to this private person. message on Instagram are you going to be on the Gold Coast bang yeah uh, yeah perfect and I think that that's a it's a very cool under it's like so underproduced in in a way it's if the, it kind of feels a bit wild wild don't west you reckon almost. that's why the audience likes it too because if you you know there's a time and place for that sort of stuff. Something beautifully crafted, edited that you've shot with a helicopter and an amazing yeah. lens. And I was like, there's an absolute place for that sort of stuff. But removing the barriers to that and just letting the, you know, in the growth of the whole thing, I've had conversations about, oh, is it too long? Is it too short? What's the right mm. duration? Does there need to be a, a set duration? Mm. I mean, if I came in today and you and I spoke for 50 minutes and I walked out, so be it. But if your next guest spoke for two hours and yeah. what's, you know... And the key thing, I reckon, and I've had a bit of this too, when they go through the metrics, when you, the people hold, yeah, you know, oh, they, yeah. they, they, they listen and uh, our our feedback thing, it, it prompt is at the very end of the podcast and we get heaps of stuff, we, you know, hey mate, I, you know, what about so-and-so and, yeah. and, and so that means people are listening yeah. right the way through and I, I, 
if they dropped off halfway through, that's their choice. I've got no drama with that. But um, the fact that it's long form yeah. in, in a ridiculously bite-sized media world that we operate in and people are, are with you for the ride, I think that's great. I, I like the three-hour thing because I think it's a it's a fucking test. Like, it actually is quite hard to talk. You get you must peel back the layers, man, when you get to that sort you of ha- level. You, you know? have to. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you just... You can't do the idle mm. chit chat thing, yet. and there's times that it's real hard. Then there's there's some where I'm like looking at the clock, and but <laughs> I want to give, and I think people know it goes for. I do the three mm. hours a mm. lot of time, and I I think some people with scheduling and sometimes my scheduling, I'll it'll be like all right, two and a half hours. I I, I have to go, or they have to go. Yeah. But I really think, and and people say to me as well, they're like, oh yeah, like you know, you can see the phases of the way that conversation you, goes yeah and you're like fuck it's getting you know or mm. they push through that bit and then you you find a new topic, topic new thread. and it's like mm. oh we can go mm. in on, on mm. there it's it's work but mm. i think it's it feels like a worthwhile pursuit definitely because i i if we're at an airport and mm. we're at the virgin lounge mm. and we're talking then it's like the combo goes flat for a second it's like pull out your phone and uh, you, you're being prompted for topics or yes. that there's information coming in. Yeah. It's like you do this and it's like this is all that exists. It's just like, chat. You need, mm. we got to dig deep. You've mm. got to figure out a way to talk to people, a way to resonate and a way to um, a way to connect. And I think it's honestly helped my just my day-to-day life. That's good. That's good. I mean, you, you know, all of those things from eye contact and body language and I'm big on, on body language, you know, reading... You can feel, you can absolutely yeah. feel a scenario with a guest if they're, you know, venturing into territory where they're a little uncomfortable or whether they are opening up. And sometimes just sitting back yeah. and letting them have their space with which to open up. You just got to read that, you know, you got you to feel that. And, you know, I did a couple for Fox Sports for Supercars in 2017 that were long form interviews and, and the editors kept ringing me going, man, there's some gold here that we're having to cut out. You know, and th- that's immensely satisfying yeah. when you think that the conversation just flowed for 20 minutes and they, sadly they could only get 13 out of it or whatever it might've been, two, two, um, two segments. But no notes, just sitting there shooting yeah. the breeze, you know, in a, in a studio on a lounge or whatever and yeah. Have you had any that have been like quite profound for you that have had like a, like a lasting impact? Yeah, I mean, I had to talk to Marcus Ambrose when he made the very difficult decision to stop racing. So he'd come back from America. Um, He'd been uh, 12 months prior to that. Roger Penske had sounded him out about would he drive for him in Australia if he was thinking about moving home. And Roger was acutely aware of the success that Marcus had had here before he went to NASCAR. And... Uh, on a on a handshake 12 months prior Marcus said yeah absolutely so then come the end of 2014 when he's thinking about coming back to Australia and he's exhausted um, he's you know the schedule for NASCAR over the decade or so that he did it was massive way way more than it is in supercars here yeah and he was he was knackered mate I think looking back on it with hindsight he probably felt like that would have been a good time to stop yeah but he felt very compelled because he told roger penske 12 months prior uh, yes yes i will drive for you roger, roger had announced he was coming into supercars in australia and so marcus did a, a race at sydney olympic park he then did the adelaide 500 and then the grand prix in melbourne so it went went end of 2014 beginning of 15 
at Adelaide, he actually got the car in the top 10 shootout, and we thought, man, he's back. He's, yeah, he's, he's back. On, yeah. Mega, mega. Yeah. Sydney wasn't great. Because it was a new car, right? Yeah. Like a new team, new car, new everything. But but a lot of established people in there that were very experienced. And so when it wasn't a... It, it was going through, a, as a as a team, it was going through like a, a growth rebuild, whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. Um, but, you know, the cars Marcus had driven for the past decade were enormously different machines. Yeah. The supercars that he was coming back to were different to what he raced when he was at the height or that the peak of his power. Yeah, a lot of sense, right? So you know within a effectively a handful of races being back driving for the automotive icon in Roger Penske yeah. he goes from being uh, at, at the forefront of their push into supercars and into Australia being at at the you know the spearhead of that to having to make the difficult decision to say no I'm going to stop yeah so, he would have felt like the weight of that whole program on him so so he made the announcement in his home state of Tasmania. He didn't do the Tasmanian round that weekend in, in 2015. And so I had to go on, I had to go and interview him and, and talk about it. And, you know, when you're in that moment, you realize the gravity of it. I mean, he, he's a guy that um, was incredible. I think when he, he didn't win a Bathurst, but he won two championships here. He helped get Ford really back on the map in that period of supercars. Yeah. Um, you know, went and did, as an Australian in, in NASCAR, some of the most amazing things, um, you know, hopefully Scotty McLaughlin will, will follow in those footsteps one day. Um, but to then see this guy say, no, I'm, I'm going to have to tell, or he had told at that point, Roger Penske, that he was pulling the pin, that he was going to stop supercars. Everyone was thinking after Adelaide, this guy's back. Yeah. You know, to have that conversation is... is um, and I, and I did a podcast with him maybe 12 or 18 months later where he'd, he'd had a bit of time to reflect on on lots of stuff. Um, he's, got a, he's got a good balanced take on it all now. Um, but, it, you know, I'm big on the positive. So I, I like looking back on not how he had to stop and we had to have that conversation, but what he achieved in the middle. You know, yeah. what, 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 he, what he did when he first... Came yeah, back his contribution. Yeah, mate, his yeah. contribution was huge. You know, he came back from from a stint in Europe with uh, not a lot of money in his back pocket, and he he opened doors and was immediately successful in supercars here. Bravely at the height of the curve for him, said, "I'm off. I'm going to have a crack at America," and and more or less on a whim rolled the dice and, yeah. and away he went and made a ten year career. No guarantees. No guarantees at all. You know, I mean, there were there were various programs that Ford had. They had a real push for diversity back then, and um, you know, there were Ford Australia were, were sort of assisting to, to join dots and what have you. Um, but mate, it was a massive roll of the dice, and he, he had effectively a ten-year career in the United States and did some very, very good things. He said he would love to have, you know, won on an oval and won a championship and things. But I mean, he won on road courses and did some. Uh, I mean, he he in a tough club. It's a, it's a oh. difficult club, you know, to garner the respect of the key guys. That yeah. that shows you how good the bloke was. Hmm. Yeah, so that was one that definitely that's, that's stayed one, with that, you. That's one that stood out. Um, you know, Bathurst podiums when it's, um, you know I, know, I know Greg Murphy pretty well. He, he um, my wife and I met each other through him. Oh, cool. So he, um, yeah, that that one's always got to stay a bit of yeah. a uh, bit of a highlight, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's he's um, we're very different human beings, he and I, but we get on like a house on fire and and. Um, 
you know, in 03 and 04, I got to do the podium uh, stuff at the mountain where he was winning with Kmart Racing and, yeah, and things right. like that. So there's been highs and lows. There's been some good things. He, he When he did what the sport affectionately knows as the lap of the gods, he, he the lap times they do at Bathurst now are faster than this. They're, they're amazing. But back but then... But for the time. But for the time, yeah. he, he was the first person to, to break into the two-minute sixes. Now they're well, well down underneath that. But he broke into the two-minute six, and everyone was like, holy smoke, That's what, like a, four minute what a lap. Kind of you, you got it, you got it. And when he came back into pit lane, the reception he got from rivals and constituents, I mean, people came wow. out of, the, people came out of the, the pit garages to congratulate him. And... And that's unreal. And you know, he got on the roof and he celebrated. And when he stepped down from the roof, I was, I was one of the, you know, I was there to, to ask the question, mate. So, yeah, there are things like that that you, that stick in your mind that you are very proud of that you, yeah. that you cherish. Um, same as we've been discussing here. You know, some of them are, are heartbreaking moments. Um, you know, you you empathise in those oh, moments yeah. and, and try and. Um, yeah, let them come forth. I mean, you know, I, I did a TV interview with Reedy in Melbourne for uh, for oh, yeah, Marvel Stadium, yeah. and you know, he broke down. He got he got really upset about yeah. um, the fact that you know he was announcing the end of his his kind of full time career and and what he was endeavouring to to do moving forward. And and um, I can recall, mate, I I, I did. In the late nineties and and two thousand, I worked on the Supercross Masters with the, the guy who was sort of the forerunner to, you know, the boys at AME who does such a such an amazing job now. He, he was kind of the the godfather, a guy called Phil Christensen. Yep. And back then, you know, um, Andrew McFarlane, Craig Anderson, um, Chad Reed. You know, I was there, and I, I can Michael recall Byrne, Michael Byrne, mate. Absolutely. You know, and I can very vividly recall Reedy arriving on the scene and 16 and, 250 and, class and wanting to yeah. and wanting to win straight away and and you know just realizing that that a there was some great talent around then but you know realizing he was he was um pretty special but to you know, embark on what he did you know same sort of deal took the punt went overseas and yeah and so then to all these years later what are we now 2019 as you yeah. and I sit here and then to you know have that heartfelt conversation with him where he, he tells everyone that he's you know he's eventually going to stop doing that full time and but I was really pleased that the the uh, the counterbalance and all that the the other little positive in the conversation was that he's he's not going cold turkey but he's going to do some four wheel racing yeah. as well and he's taken to that like a duck to water yeah, he's and, killing uh, it yeah he's killing it so yeah th- those yeah I like those those conversations it's it's really cool to think though that like a guy like you has been there doing it for so long and has stayed so relevant that you can have that relationship with Chad because you've interviewed him at Boondle or mm. in, in Sydney for the Supercross Masters and then it was like you were there asking him what it's going to be like to move to America and then 20 years later or 15 years later or whatever the number is, it's like you're there again there's got to be something very, um, like that only you could get out a certain reaction, or maybe his uh, ability to even get emotional is tied to the fact that he knew that you'd seen him but, but, at, I, I, on both ends. I reckon it's both. I reckon he knows that you can acutely remember that yeah. stuff. Um, I, or as I've said a couple of times, I default to the respect for the yeah. the athlete. So yeah, there's there's definitely um, something in that. 
how the longevity has happened, I, I don't really know. And I, I'm in the back of my head, I think, you know, I'm going to be 50 next year. How long will it keep going? I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to keep doing it as long as I love it. Well, the um, thing with the podcast is you can, you're the boss of that whole deal. Correct. And, and I still, um, whether it's traditional broadcasting or new stuff like that, I, I still really enjoy it. And I, I think um, that history is still important. You know, the fact that Wygant has, has had all that time yeah. reading those magazines and then got to know all the writers and got to know the community and that, that, that there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Then Lee Diffie, you know I mean? He, he's immensely good at, at two wheels, four wheels, all those relationships around, around the globe, you know, that they're, they're, they're in addition to what you do on air. Yeah. That stuff behind the scenes, I think works, you know, helps you, helps you too. And there's a bit of respect, you know, Afterwards, we might go out and have a beer, and, yeah. and you know what, what you what you chat about then is is what stays at the pub, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, is the Chad podcast out yet? Not yet. It's uh, I, I have a Christmas one, which will be a bit of fun with a guy called Billy Woods, who was the the head guy of Ten Motorsport for many years. Oh. He was so we're sort of reminiscing a little bit there and telling some some untold stories about some funny stuff behind the scenes at 10, you know, working with Barry Sheen and, and others back in the day. Um, and then Chad's coming out about, about mid January. And that's an interesting one in you. You've already beat me to it, mate, but, but I have effectively recorded it in two parts because I started doing it at Ausex open Sydney last year. Oh, wow. We went to New Zealand. We both got crazy busy. We couldn't finish it. And we finished it in Melbourne 12 months later. That's but, really cool. But the beauty is a lot's happened in that 12 months, you know. So, yeah, so, wow. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we've, we've both pleased we've been able to eventually finish that off and, and um, having known him all that time since the Supercross Masters days and to know now that even in, in the other part of my world that he's venturing into four wheels and, as you said before, is just absolutely killing it, doing an amazing job and that that will be our, our continued conversation, you know. As, as he moves forward yeah how was the experience of doing the podcast because he's a he's a really good guy I, I uh i've got respect for him on on a number of different levels firstly uh, i can vividly recall he and and burner and others coming back for andrew mcfarland's funeral so i remember going to the, the funeral yeah, mate, yeah, i was okay. there and um i stay in touch a little bit with his with, with, with yeah, on, yeah on socials um so I, I can recall that and, and I know from that moment, you know, that the, the depth of friendship, the buddies, you know, how important all that stuff is in addition to all the, the yeah. success that, that's come from there. Some people have not um, fully understood, you know, how he's got a bit of an accent and, and things, but I got it straight away with Chad. You know, yeah. he, he he connected... Um, he endeared himself to the American audience yep. with with that, and it changed the bloke. Didn't make the bloke any different. No. It just you know even even Lee when he commentates in the states now, he still has a very much an Australian accent that hasn't changed. And he's but, shaped but, his vernacular uh, you, you, a little you, bit. You, yeah. Zeros and and you use terms and terms of phrase that that you yep. wouldn't you know. Um, and so I, I absolutely got why Chad did that. I didn't think for a moment that he he'd forgotten his roots, but. I mean, now he's lived in America, I think, longer than he ever lived in Australia. You know, crazy, crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, that was one thing. Um, it was funny that with Chad, me and him had a bit of a tested relationship. Mm-hmm. We never, 
Oh, Has that simmered with time? What changed? Why? Well, I never really spoke to the dude. Mm-hmm. and But there was a lot of stuff going on around us mm-hmm. that was like kind of making us not really come together. And mm-hmm. the times that we, we did have interactions, I got weird advice from him. I had my own bias going into those interactions. And it wasn't actually until mutual friends were just like dude you guys are like you guys are just homies waiting to happen you know? <laughs> and uh there's like you, we you got to sit down the first conversation when did that change what happened I did the podcast okay i'd never really had a conversation with chad previous to doing the podcast like very very surface level encounters like so actually the last time i even really hung out with him was i went i got him into the red bull party at at uh austin uh, moto gp oh wow okay yeah he was a monster (laughs) that's when he was still a monster athlete that was like one of the most it was like it was weird too it was me uh him lance armstrong and ricky fowler and we're all just sort of shooting the shit but i just was sort of trying what a combo mate that's a that's a mega podcast in itself oh my god it was a weird day that one Mm. but um i sort of just was chilling having a few drinks i'd had a pretty big night the night before but that was funny i think that whole thing of like i went downstairs and like took some passes and and got them up upstairs i think that was like the first little icebreaker cool and then uh then jeremy from red bull who was the guy that sort of was instrumental instrumental in all of this even starting he pushed pretty hard to get it done and then um, my one of my best friends Sam Moore um, pushed really hard and we sat down and I just I, I opened the podcast and said like hey this is why I think we haven't been like this was my bias towards you and it's like I'm excited now to actually chat and get get to know you but that was I wish I wish I knew him when I was over there because mm. I I always struggled like I never let go of Australia okay and I think that that really hampered my development just personally Mm. and career-wise over there i just man i just had an aussie flag fucking through and through in the ground (laughs) everywhere i went every conversation i I never let go of it because i i honestly like you'd see the way that people would talk about chad Mm. and like he just doesn't like australia he's fucked us off that's not true absolutely not and and it isn't and i learned it and Mm. and he said it was at the very end of the podcast and he just floored me and i was like dude i wish i knew you mm. i wish i knew you over there he and he said like when i got there i had to commit fully i couldn't mm. he said i love australia more than anybody else mm. i i love my hometown How good i he, love that but he recognized that mate and the fact that he did that that's so wise but, but yeah and you know if that's the takeout piece of advice for the next young kid that's going to try and, and do that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've got to immerse yourself in, in that and, and still be an identity, still be you. But if it takes a bit of that to get um, that connection with, mm. with American fans and so on, so be it. Well, it's not even the fans as much as it's just to get through day-to-day life because to me, America was never as good as Australia. Mm-hmm. America could never do anything right mm. in terms of my... I, I just... I, and it was almost out and yet of like, you look back on it so fondly oh mate, yeah no? i do mm. because mm. i've realized now mm. that all that i was doing is i had insecurities around people thinking that i did the chad reed thing mm. but that's not what he was doing he lasted so long there the most successful australian ever mm. because he probably was the only guy that was man enough to go no i'm going to be an american while mm. I'm here, mm. this will this is the key to longevity because if I'm distracted by missing home and worrying about what my friends are doing and what my family's doing and what people think of me and blah blah blah, 
then I'll never make it. Yep. And no one ever made it to the extent that he did. Mega career, mate. Me- mega achievement. And um, yeah, it's. I love the I love the fact that in those conversations with people, when they roll the dice like that and they have a crack and they go overseas, Ambrose for 10 years, Chad for nearly 20, whatever it was, you know, big... Um, to, to let go of everything at home, which is so easy. You know, you, you're here on the GC, you can bolt down the road and, oh. you know, everyone. And I mean, to, you know, to figure out yourself financially over there, to uh, make friends and, you know, all of that stuff, which just weighs on you the entire yeah. time. And then to come through that and have the, the careers that those guys have had, yeah. Yeah, really impressive. And, and I almost looked at the whole Chad thing as like, well, it's easy for him. Not at all. He's got money, he's got this, mm. he's got that. That's the way that I looked at it. Mm. And I was like, no, nah, like you should be able to hold on to the Aussie. Like if I can do it, you can do it. Like mm. you've got it easier. But it's not the case at all. Like the the money that they were making, the pressure that he was under, the people that are grabbing for their attention and for the, the money and they want to be around the fame, they want to be, they want to be in that scene. Like there's so much to navigate. Mm. And as a young kid without his dad without you know not even contact really with his parents for you know some of that time and it's just like 20 years it's crazy years. yeah it's great yeah. and it's a great, so, it's a great story actually it's a, i mean a story that goes beyond you and i that love um motorsport it's a, it's actually a story a lot of australians i think should hear more of yeah, yeah. and mm. and it was quite striking when that podcast came out mm. that how many people messaged me and said like oh i'm actually a chad fan i've wasted years not liking chad Wow. Yeah. Wow. A lot of people. Therein lies, again, another benefit of, of the podcast. That's something I, I get a, a bit of too, is that you, hey, you changed my view, you know, or that long form conversation finally enables them to uh, feel a bit more of their personality mm. or, or instead of it being a heat of the moment uh, one minute reaction to something that happened in, in the race and you form your view in one minute mm-hmm. about whether they're a good person or whether they're an arsehole. Instead, mm-hmm. our long-form chat actually lets people know a bit more of their personality. And I do I do get a bit of that, you know. It's changed my view. That's, that's something that crops up occasionally too. And you know what I've tried to encourage people to mm. do now through the platform and that, uh, that do have that way of thinking? Mm. I, and I've challenged myself to think like this, I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that I don't like yep. right now. Yep. If that I think like, ah, I'm not a big fan. Hmm. I want to think, I, I actively think like, well, I wonder, imagine if I'd already done a podcast with him hmm. and it was already super illuminating hmm. and there was already, he changed my mind. Hmm. I want to live like that now. That's I want to, I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that if I could sit down with them for three hours, I would come away being uh, very appreciative of that person and in uh, have like a sense of reverence for what they've achieved yep. and what they've been through and that's not just athletes that's every person because and mate it's just it's just balance isn't it you know that's one of the things I, I always strive for I mean it, that you could still walk into it with maybe a, a bit of um, pre-formed mm. judgment yeah but the fact that you're prepared to let yourself be open to what happens in this conversation and therefore might shift your viewpoint that's that's good mm. that's that's what it should deliver i think and, and but we don't gen like that's not the in life 
yeah mm. in in mm. life that's mm. not the way that we walk around as mm. people because i think that we formed our view based on a headline or based on a on a whatever and yeah and i think even even deeper than that as well there's like a certain survival element i think when you go like even deeper like it sort of is the end of the day like we live in a great society and we've got a lot of choice and we even even that uh to contemplate the idea of liking or not liking somebody Mm -hmm. like there's people in the world right now that don't have drinking water Mm. and that's what they care about like they don't care if somebody's lost his accent like they actually couldn't give a fuck because they've just gotta they've just gotta survive so it's like i think the perspective that we live in such a blessed time to even pass judgment on somebody it's like okay let's strip this back a little bit like we we only even have this luxury because of how amazing our lives are so do we really want to waste this amazing life and the fact the fact that we've got time to judge people doesn't mean we should no and when we've traveled with the kids gone to all sorts of different places with them um but you know from them seeing a a homeless person in san francisco to to uh families in uh you know one of the islands in thailand struggling you know that's been a great perspective thing yeah. for them. i can i can vividly recall sarah took when we went to base camp she took just a simple packet of balloons so what are you doing that for and she gave these kids that that looked like they had they had lived in you know these same clothes for years you know life, their yeah. whole life you know this little colorful balloon that they would blow up just meant their whole world they weren't affected by any of that other stuff that tiny little thing made a real significant difference you know mm. and they, so in, it's important that you have a bit of that in your life that you get a bit of in all this crazy shit we're doing you've got to mm. actually stop and what's what's the most you know <laughs> bit, of, bit of reality bit of perspective yeah. hmm. what was that base camp experience like that's amazing on, that's on my bucket list I um so we went what are we as you and I sit here now we I would nearly have left at about this time of year because I could only fit it in around my my racing program yeah and and you know the broadcasting had wrapped up for the Being year and, and the like no 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 <laughs> and um so hey, Greg Russ ladies and gentlemen no no no, no. so <laughs> we um I flew into Kathmandu um, she was already there ahead of me she'd gone um with a girlfriend and her this girl's sister and they'd, they'd done a few things in Kathmandu she knew she knew Nepal a little bit already she'd been there and then she and I set off we had a couple of days in in Kathmandu um to get to the starting point of the trek a lot of people go you fly a small plane into one of the most dangerous airports in the world it's a little place called Lukla so I got in this plane. First few days, it was all fogged in, so we couldn't take off. Sat at Kathmandu Airport for ages. And then suddenly there's this commotion of, okay, okay, quick, 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 quick. The weather's right. We can go now. We yeah. can get the plane in. Off we go. And the the runway at Lukla kind of juts <laughs> out a little bit from the edge of, of a, like a I cliff can't face. Even and you, you come in, you know, it's... It, it was like a scene out of Indiana Jones. You know, we're in this old plane. There's dudes up the front with, you know, wayfarers and leather oh, jackets wow. on. And, you know, chooks up the back of the plane and whatever. Anyway, so the plane lands. Um, they, it's full brakes, turn. Everyone's kind of screaming, get out, get out, get out, quick, because we have to get the next passengers on before the weather changes and get it out again. And you start your trek at, at Lukla, which is... How many thousand feet would that be? I reckon it's 2,750 or thereabouts. Yep. And you trek to... 
um, five five, I think is basic. No, that's uh, that might be meters. We're talking. You you, you asked in oh, feet. feet. I think, sorry. I, think, I think that might be meters. So that's and fifteen thousand feet. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. So um, the faster you go, the more dangerous it is from an altitude sickness point of view. Yep. You're better off acclimatizing. So even trekking, even just to base camp, you still got to you know go from um, one village to another and then the next day you sort of camp at the village but you go up a bit and come down yeah. and you, you keep doing that to acclimatize oh, okay. did you have problems with the altitude uh, it, within uh one day of getting to the final stop before base camp i can recall mate walking along and i looked down at my feet and i thought shit what is controlling that they're just moving they're moving forward what the what the hell is going on here and sarah had massive headaches yeah okay and the guide we had was excellent we kept in touch with him a little bit too which is quite cool and um anyway the the guide recognized that and they gave us some stuff which i think is called dimox and makes you piss like a racehorse basically (laughs) but you it helps abate the symptoms of altitude sickness for a bit and um so we were unable we were, we were able to continue into base camp to to see it and then the key thing is to get down so uh, the faster you come down the the better it is for your body and so on so it was about from lukla to base camp it was about i want to say 10 or 11 days and then it was 3 days down okay basically so um, we carried our own packs we didn't make it. some people use sherpas port- yeah, sherpas yeah. and porters and stuff um, sarah was big on experience you know that um sir edmund hillary who um as you know did some some amazing things in nepal you there was lots of places that you went to where he'd helped schools and kids and and stuff so a very eye-opening thing for me i'd never been to a country like that before um some funny stuff that went down mate you know we were we were trekking along and the guide said oh do you need any money we're in the middle of nowhere and i said what do you mean he goes oh this guy coming up the hill here he's from the bank and that guy with him is a, is a security guy there's a guy with a gun you know like we're in the middle of nowhere and cashed and up cash, had cash he wanted to make a withdrawal kind of thing there was that um sherpa atm yeah yeah um but lots lots of very grounding yeah things something that i'd never really done before it's, was it hard like uh, it was it was, it, it was and it's a little bit random in the sense that you could my experience at least anyway you, you could be the fittest cat ever um, or you could have a very average level of fitness. Oh, it wasn't too bad. But it, it, altitude sickness seems to be a bit of a, a random very, thing. Very, very personal, like, su- yeah, yeah, subjective kind thing. of thing. But the, the the overriding element, you know, as we were trekking, the, the guide's um, uh, brother-in-law was a guide for another another person and they, they were powering and he said, oh, he's trying to, get there in too however quick, many yeah. days way too quick and then sure enough you know within days we saw him coming down with ambos he was okay but he'd gone too fast so you just have to plod acclimatize mm. it's a great great bit of reflection for um you know there's you learn a bit about yourself mate about yeah you know what you what you're made of as i said before i'm a bit i'm a bit sort of soft as marshmallow i'm not as um you know, you, your girlfriend's there and she's a great support for you and, uh, and the like, but you, you fundamentally just have to You've get going. Do it yourself. Do yeah. yourself. And, and then it's 5-5 five, five at base camp, but it's, I think, 8-8 eight, eight or something at the summit. And 
uh, oh, to, to, uh, you know, to just massive respect for those guys. I've read a lot of books since then on on mountaineers and what they do. And mate, I don't profess to. I'm not a freaking mountaineer by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it's captivating reading, I yeah. think, and knowing how much it changes even from base camp to the summit. It's um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the the um, from about day two, I think, as you're trekking along, Everest is always in sight. Uh, and okay. so it's like this beacon uh, that you're working towards, and, and it's like uh, a gravity. Yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. and yeah. it's it's an amazing mountain. It oh, really that's is really cool. Mm, yeah, so it was a great great experience. What was it like doing it with your wife? It was good. You uh, you kind of learnt a bit about each other um, more than you than you had before. She's got great strength, mate. She's a very um, uh, strong willed person. Yeah. She's a good. You used Yin and Yang before, you know. Um, so and she knew what to expect. She'd done another trek in um, in the Himalaya called uh, the Annapurna Circuit. Yeah. So she knew a bit about what that stuff was like yep. and and um, just how to prep for it. And yeah, it's good. What did you take out of it personally? Like in terms of the you know you said you learned a bit about yourself. Like yeah. what sort of stuff do you take out of that? Uh, just just to uh, firstly knowing how good you got it. Um, seeing these little kids, and I, I'd, ne- I'd never been to um, a country like that before, so that was that was very good. the The most eye opening aspect of of it was just about you know needing to have a bit of a glass of cement sometimes, and just keep yeah. just keep plodding, keep keep trekking along, and then you know you're not a uh, you're not a mountain climber. You make it to base camp. That's great. That's a very, very cool thing. But to go to yeah. <laughs> go to the summits, next level. Did Did you ever get a feeling of like insignificance and that the world kind of doesn't care? Uh, probably, probably more. Um, as I said before, you don't know how good you got it. Mm. You know, you you no hotel, no fancy hotel, you know, you're staying in, in simple locations and, and the simplicity of, of uh, a lot of that stuff, but the immense beauty of the of mm. the place and to have done it, yeah, all these years later, mate, I mean, it's not quite 20 years, but may, may as well be. I mean, it's, yeah. it's still a thing I'm very proud of. Is it something like, have you got more of those things that you'd like to achieve over time or? More places in the world that I'd particularly like to take the kids. I'm big on the kids at the moment and life experience for for them and uh, if they have a dream for something to to help them on the path yeah. but also to teach them about being a bit self-starting with that stuff too yeah. you know you you can't oh you have to it's yeah. i preach it to people that ask me for advice i'm like you got youtube yeah you can figure it out yeah like you cannot baby people like if people say they want something then they got don't to, need help. You got to have the hunger for it, still, yeah. mate. You, ha- I, I want the kids to uh, to have that opportunity, and um, you know, we'll do every everything we can to to assist with that. But I still want them to be hungry. I want them to get out of bed and go. I'm if I'm going to be a YouTuber, well, well, immerse yourself in that. And and um, you know, my my uh, eldest daughter has uh, done a bit of modelling, some courses and things, but she's still very young. But you know, we were in Auckland recently. She expressed an interest in wanting to do it, and I said, "Okay, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be pushy dad here. You know, if you want to do this, you're going to have to go and knock on the door of the of the agency mm. and talk to some of the people." And she so says, "She got the, you know, the inner strength to do that, which I was really pleased about, and made a made a good impression." And and so that's the thing I want to instill in them. I, I want them to have that passion, that hunger. 
I I I I love what I do and it wouldn't matter to me what they did yeah. so long as they were giving it 11 tenths and that they were as passionate about it. I don't want them to or want for them to do something that just makes up the numbers, mate. I'd rather them yeah. do something that they truly cherish or, or love. Mm. Well, it's got to help the fact that they've watched you walk that path the whole your whole life. A, a bit, I suppose, yeah. And, and, you know, they've seen some of the failings in that too, you know, the things that when it, it um, hasn't gone you know, perfectly to plan. Um, you know, they're they're aware of. I think in a general media sense, um, what you are exposed to a little bit. I'm not a, not at a, a massive level, but you're still exposed to some things. And I think they're mindful of that, even in in their own world with social media and stuff yeah. like that. Now, so yeah, there's probably a, a good positive. Um, from all that they know that dad does motor racing and he talks cars the oldest one joked with me the other day I think I'm not going to follow you on Instagram anymore because all you do is talk about cars <laughs> and we had this <laughs> ongoing <laughs> conversation um, but yeah they're proud of what dad, dad does yeah yeah well hey mate we're going to wrap this one up here I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you it's uh fellow martial artist how about that we yeah. were, that's the, one of the revelations for me and all this that's but cool honestly go try jiu-jitsu okay and if you want to uh, think about the whole soft marshmallow side it's, uh, <laughs> there's no room for that it'll definitely uh it'll definitely get um that side of you will get tested but it's been one of the best things that i've done for myself in the last couple of years the, the thing with it too and the, no disrespect to taekwondo or mm-hmm. any other martial arts but you just you can't go full clip in taekwondo every day mm-hmm. you can't be do it like you're the technique that you yep. get taught like a front kick to somebody's face like yep. you you're not applying that technique every day you mm-hmm. can practice that technique you can drill that technique but i'm i'm not physically going to class and kicking somebody in the face yep. and doing that technique to 100 but you are when you're grappling and you're doing all this One, other stuff you were doing mm. an armbar 100 percent. Mm. Mm. well i'm i go to the gym and it, it's war like i go i exercise that a competition for me is my easiest day of the week in mm. terms of training because I get to fight people on my same belt, yeah. my same weight, my same everything. In the gym, I go, my professor weighs 120 kilos. He's a fourth degree black belt that's been doing jiu-jitsu 22 years. And it's like, I get fucked up. <laughs> and it's, you know what I mean? So it's like no one at my level, at my weight can impart that kind of beating mm. on me. So mm. it's like that. It, there's something that's so raw and real about jiu-jitsu and i think that once you experience that as a person that loves martial arts and you go like this is the this is the thing like this is the real thing that that we're training for yep. and then there becomes no illusions about how good you are if you're improving like it's very very transparent hmm. and it's a it's a super rewarding thing because you can go from feeling so uncomfortable and so helpless to literally making somebody that they go uh, that's it you got yeah. me yeah i'm done so it's a it's a super super cool thing and i think uh yeah i'd, I'd be i'd be excited for you to get into it at some good point. to experience another art and well done mike great to uh cheers to you great to have yeah. a yeah, great to have a chat thanks I for having really, me really really appreciate it. and you're welcome whenever you come to the goldie and if you want to use the studio at all just let me know love it thank so, you perfect thanks cheers. mate